Hello and welcome to another episode of So Fly. It is uh, the middle of February. We're back in the studio on a snowy, snowy middle of February night. We um, seem to keep doing podcasts in the middle of a blizzard. Yeah, like crazy snowstorms <laughs> here in Ontario. But uh, yeah, my name is Mitch and uh, of course we got Yelma here. Hey guys. And we've got Aldo. Hey guys. And we've got a very special guest calling in today uh, all the way from uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, he is the owner of Trout and Feather, which is a content uh, brand on the internet, and he's published, uh, I think, something like over 200 videos, but we'll get him to confirm that, um, and is uh, an incredible fly tire, an incredible angler. We're very excited to have Tim Camisa on the show. Tim, how's it going? Hey, it's going great, Mitch. Hey, thanks for the intro. And before we get too far into this, yeah. uh, I got to tell you, you guys are doing an awesome job on the podcast. Like, Keep it going. Half the time, I love that. I think other podcasts would look at some of the content as like, this is our B-roll. We're not going to show that stuff. And I love that there's the podcast that I just get into with you guys. You just let it roll, and you're kind, we're kind of like in the seats with you. So I completely appreciate that. So thanks for everything you're doing, and I hope you guys keep this going. Yeah, thank you so much, Tim. That's amazing. Kind words. Yeah, it gets absolutely. Us so jazzed. It's truthful. It's Smiling truthful. from ear to ear. Yeah, Tim. that's wicked, man. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> great, guys. Uh, so we're drinking. Uh, we've got some nice 40 Creek going tonight. Uh, premium mm. Barrel Select. Uh, a little, bit of, a little bit of whiskey, Canadian whiskey. Canadian whiskey on a cold Canadian night, as James Bond said last episode. Uh, uh, wow, yeah, that's a very Canadian thing, sitting in a, in the CBC building, too, <laughs> yeah. nonetheless. Um, yeah, so we're very excited to have you on, Tim. Uh, first, I think we just want to jump into a little bit about sort of like who you are in the fly fishing community, what you do, how you sort of found yourself getting into um, trout and feather, and just kind of like how that sort of all unfolded. Yeah, of course, I'll be happy to. And I'm, I'm, I'm very jealous of my buddy James Bond that he got to see that studio. Yeah. Because whenever I see your, I think your Instagram, and there was a picture, or maybe it was on the website, of that studio, it looks just, it's rocking over there. And I'm so jealous <laughs> that you're there, and I'm sitting in my basement right now, my unfinished basement at my fly tying desk, and I'm like, man, I am really missing out. So James, you were very lucky in this one. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, yeah, I mean, we're, we're, yeah. we're really lucky. Um, you know, we're, we record out of an old CBC, which is the Canadian... You know, federal broadcasting uh, building, building, when you come, which is so cool. There's a lot of history Ontario, here. Yeah, yeah. you got to come to the studio when you come down to Ontario. If you find yourself here, we'll I'm, have you. I'm in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'd love to get up there to fish that Grand River. So next oh, yeah. time I'm up there, I'm going to stop over. Please. Oh, great! Thanks oh, yeah. for the invite. Yeah, well, we'd like to fish with you. Yeah, uh, yeah I guess. Yeah, cool. uh, I guess Tim. Uh, you know, when did you when did you pick up a fly rod? Yeah, well, I guess we'll get into that. Um, so I first started learning how to tie flies before I was a fly fisherman, mm. and I learned around maybe fourth grade, I was in this after-school program and we had this, this old dude that was this fly tire and he had, you know, we all kind of went to this classroom afterwards and we learned how to tie these flies. And it was just about like, just you were having fun, you were spinning deer hair. And it was just like all these really crazy patterns. And after maybe two or three classes, I remember my dad picked me up and he was like, hey, you know, like your Uncle John is really into this and he's a really big fly fisherman. And I was like, what's fly fishing? I, I knew about spin fishing and that kind of stuff up until that point. But my dad kind of, you know, really almost reintroduced me to my great uncle John. Um, I just wanted to just spend every moment from that point on just investigating this, getting into it, just trying to figure out more about it. And I just fell in love with the sport. It was just so much fun. So I think my, my early days were really just focused on tying flies. And I thought it was so cool that you could catch a fish on a fly that you tied. It didn't matter what the fish was at, at first. It was just, man, this is crazy. Then, of course, like a lot of people, I kind of made that evolution and I got to catch a trout because I was one of those suckers that, you know, after the fly fishing movie came out, that river runs through it, that just kind of mm -hmm. exploded the sport. I was fortunate that I was already into the sport prior to that. But once that movie came out, 
it just kind of got so many more people fired up about it. And then I read that darn John Gierek. I just loved his stories. And you just kind of combine like all these people are into it. You know, I've, I have a couple like personal connections because my father was a fly fisherman as well. Not as much as my great uncle, but he was a big fly fisherman. And then I'm reading these John Gierek stories. And it was just like, you're, you're all in. And that was just it for sense. You know what I mean? So I've been doing it for almost 30 years now and it's just been completely all invested. What was it about fly tying that got you, so jazz, like in the start. You know what? I wish I could tell you there was one thing. And I love this. I have this old, I think it's called a Plano fishing box. And I remember yeah, like they, they asked us, yeah, you know, that old plastic one. And mine had, I had like an advanced one. It had like this flap that came down on the front. You had these little trays. And I, re, I like, I still have it. I, I look through, I see those early flies that I tied. They were so hideous. And I, but I love them. And I, and I recommend any fly tire, like your first dozen flies, like put them away and like label them and just, come back to them every now and then because there's just something cool about that memory. But I wish I could tell you like, Oh, I love the fact that you could fish with them or, but I don't know. I think it was just that you kind of get lost in that and you're just tying these flies and you're kind of learning along the way. And I think it was a challenge for me because some of those early flies, they were hideous and the, like the <laughs> eye of my hook was covered. I would never be able to get a, a tippet or a leader through them. And I think it was just that, that whole challenge of, I see, a, you know, I see this fly in this book and I want my fly to look like it. Yeah. And it wasn't. And I had to just keep working at it and working at it until like one day they actually started looking like that. And then they just progressed from that point forward. It's funny you said, you talk about starting. I, I remember the first thing I tied was like a bucktail jig I saw in a book and I used a sewing thread and like yeah. some for, like lint I found laying around basically. In your belly button. <laughs> it was just like <laughs> the worst looking thing ever, but I still have it actually in the Plano box. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Now do all three of you tie? Well, I mean, this is a sticking point, Tim. Yeah, because they're pointing uh, their fingers at me, Tim, and it's Yelma here. Um, like my resolution, I don't have resolutions because I think every day could be a resolution, a change. But I feel sure. like this is my year for tying. I tied my first woolly booger last year, and you know, um, it was it was pretty nice for my first tie. So I'm looking to get into it because I'm a designer. I think Aldo thinks that I can be good at it. I'm just. I just think you have a good uh, knack for design and. and yeah. Thank you, Aldo. And I think, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I mean, think, yeah, I think sure. it must, yeah. it's got a trend. Yeah. We have, we have, I have some, uh, you know, I have another good friend, uh, David Adams, we took fishing a couple times, and he's a designer as well. And he just really, well, he sank his teeth into fly fishing for the first time this year, but he really got into tying as well. And, and his, his stuff is great. So, I mean, <sighs> I, I, yeah, I mean, you got to tie. You know, I, I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it, it's in the back. I'm tying. I'm tying to him. Okay. Well, I <laughs> thought I heard on your maybe your 2018 recap that. That Yoma, you were talking about that you were that was kind of your resolution that you were hoping to do that more. I thought that I thought that was you. So that was me. I mean, yeah, hold them to it, I'm Tim. Not, I'm not calling them out. No, Aldo, I'm not calling them out. But because I understand, there's also that time component. That's this is like whenever I go to a lot of these fly fishing shows, and I, you know, I'm a featured headliner, or I shouldn't say it like that. I'm a featured speaker at these shows, and. I'm more known in, down that fly tying realm, but there's a lot of fly fishermen who come up to me who just, they, they're, they're looking almost, I don't want to say they want to spark that argument, but they want to know, like, why do you do it? Why do you tie? Like, versus it's so much quicker to go out and buy these flies. And I get it because whenever, if, you know, if you have a, you know, a job where you're working crazy hours and you're just, you're looking for any downtime and your downtime's fishing, there's very little time to learn a new hobby. And there could be a, it's a steep learning curve for fly tying. I get it. Yeah. So I'm, I'm with you, Yoma. Just hang in there. Hang yeah. in there, man. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. <laughs> it's interesting. You brought up um, tie, like tying uh, flies versus buying flies. Like what, how do you feel about, uh, about that? Um, my feeling has changed in the last maybe five or 10 years. 
if you would have asked me a decade ago, um, I would have said, like, if you don't if you don't tie your own flies, like you're really missing the boat. And, and I don't want to say I still believe that because I do. I'm a, I'm a fly tire. And to me, it's it's not even about matching the natural insects. It's just knowing that I can you know sit down, tie these flies that that I think are going to catch fish, go out and get that reinforcement that they do or that I have to make changes. So to me, it's, it's such a natural connection. But then I, I also started learning how to tie flies when I'm 10. So it's, right. it's very easy. And my father-in-law, like, he loves to go fly fishing. Like, he just loves to go out fly fishing with me. And he, once, like, he realized I had this YouTube thing going on and I was really invested in this, he, um, he asked me if I could teach him how to tie flies. And I gave him the recommendations on what to buy, you know, what, what hooks, what books to buy, what vice. I mean, he, he went, he bought everything, just the whole way. And he just, the dexterity isn't there for his tying. And the time's not there. And he, for him, it's obviously he has me as well for his son-in-law. So he wants me to tie his fly. Yeah. So that's kind of his first leg up. But the other issue is that for him, like, if he has that, those free moments, he gets out and he goes fishing. And now whenever I said, like, my thoughts have changed, it's because my wife and I have a, we have a son. And, and we, we fish all the time. I mean, pretty much every weekend throughout the summer, um, the three of us go fishing. I have a little backpack that I carry my son in and we have a blast and it's so much fun. But now I also know like you're exhausted. So I'm a teacher. I get home and, you know, we're playing with our son until it's, it's his bedtime. And then he goes down and, you know, I have this YouTube and I have these presentations to plan for. And it's, I'm very lucky because my wife loves to fly fish, yeah. but she doesn't tie flies. So now I'm tying flies for me, for my wife. And it's like, wow, there's a, it's a lot to it. And you yeah. really just, you got to crank them out. And then, so whenever I look at it from that perspective and here I am, I'm trying to convince people, you know, learn how to tie flies and yeah, you have these other thousand things going on in your life, but it'll be easy and you'll love it. So I can definitely, I can accept both sides. I mean, but you know, which way I lean. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. No, yeah, it makes sense too. I, I mean, I guess it all depends on, uh, you know, like uh, how into fly tying somebody gets, right? Like it's just all relative, sure. I suppose. Sure. Um, okay. Let's take a step back. And did you, so let's go back to, I have two questions. The first question is, do you remember your first fish and, and on the fly? And do you remember what fly it was by any crazy chance? I know it's, um, it can be a tough one, but. My first fish was probably a bluegill. I'm, I won't, I can't say I, I remember it. I have a terrible memory, Mitch. I, just <laughs> terrible. So the fly, <laughs> yeah, the, I'm going to guess it was a bluegill only because my, there, we have some lakes that are in our area and my, my father loves to like go out to these lakes and I'm 99% sure it was a bluegill on either at moraine or it was a trout whenever my dad took me fly fishing for the first time and I got lucky. But I, I wish I could tell you, but no, and no, I'm, my memory's not that good. I'm sorry. But you learned to fly fish in Pennsylvania, right? Correct? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, we're, we have a, we're very fortunate in this state just because there's a, mm-hmm. a really a, kind of a historical basis. And I think you, you guys do understand that as well. And we're very fortunate to know that there have been these, these famous fly fishermen, or these, I shouldn't even say famous, just these notable fly fishermen that have pushed the sport and pushed the sports of both tying and fishing over the years. And it's kind of cool to follow in those footsteps and fish those same hallowed waters and just kind of know that yeah. it, there is a lot of tradition in Pennsylvania, which is good and which is also bad because there's, there is so much tradition. When you try to break free of that, you're almost seen as you're, you're an outsider in your own state. Yeah. And that could be tricky too, if you know what I mean. It's an interesting point because it's, I was going to ask, how did it, what was your sort of uh, like upbringing in the fly fishing world, so to speak in Pennsylvania, knowing that there is well, all this tradition and there is so much uh, uh, like a different sort of like late, like um, lens put on the sport there. Cause it's so respected. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I mean, um, I told you about my great uncle John. I featured him in some of my videos over the year. And he's, 
he was easily one, my, my greatest mentor growing up in terms of fly fishing. And I kind of based my own fly fishing and my thoughts and my ideas and opinions on his. I mean, there's no doubt about it. I mean, he, my Uncle John, he's the one who first started building bamboo fly rods. So I had to build bamboo fly rods, which is how you know, I connected with James Bond. So I've kind of followed in his footsteps. And because of that, it's like some of these flies, like a sucker spawn or a green weenie that people have been catching fish on, just pulling them in left and right. Mm-hmm. Like we wouldn't use those because that's, you know, a trout wouldn't eat a sucker spawn. Like there's no self-respecting like brown trout that would actually eat a sucker spawn. <laughs> Even if there's suckers in that river and they're spawning, like, no, you just don't use that. And I, and I can, and I'll be honest, I can remember whenever I was a teenager, I was fishing this, this stream with these wild trout in it. And I looked down in the water and I saw this really big trout. I mean, it was really big trout. And I was standing on the bank and I just had this ability where, where I was standing, I was able to make a cast. And this, this, this trout was ignoring everything. Hmm. And for some goofy reason, I decided to put on like a, a blue or a pink sucker spawn that I had left over during steelhead fishing season. I put it on and this trout like charged the sucker spawn, hmm. just crushed it on the first hit, ran like, you know, 75 yards. I was nearly into my backing. I mean, it was just like, this is all in. And I felt guilty. And it was like, there was this guilt. Like, why am I using <laughs> yeah. sucker spawn? Like, I, I, I can't let anyone see me catch this fish on the sucker spawn. <laughs> so that, that was, like, if that's the story that kind of defined my teenage years, it was that. So it took a while to kind of get away from that. Yeah. Um, it's funny you mentioned that story because um, we were on opening Trout Day of 2018. We were on the river with uh, Mitch's uncle. Mm-hmm. And uh, he caught mm-hmm. the biggest brown I've ever seen out of the Credit River on a sucker spawn. <laughs> and again you're right like i would have never um although i was using like squirmy worms all day (laughs) i would have i wouldn't have uh i wouldn't have thought to use suck but yeah that was a a huge fish so kind of funny that that story definitely uh reigned true how do you how do you feel about that now like how does that like how is using you know i mean i can tell you like my number five most popular video now is the mop fly so (laughs) if that tells you kind of how i've changed it, it it took a while because and I think this is probably what, this is what makes fly fishing such a special sport. And it's that if you choose to swing wet flies, like traditional wets, mm-hmm. like that's your thing and you can do that. And if you choose to fish the squirmies and the mop flies and all these wonderful flies that we kind of gained from the competition world, because you really just want to get as many trout as you can, like you can, I think that's cool. And I, at least from my perspective, and especially in Pennsylvania and, and a lot of the areas that I fish now, it's nice to see that those I want to say it's kind of breaking down to the point where people aren't as critical of each other mm-hmm. for that because you, it's a sport. I mean, you would hope that, that you wouldn't have that, that criticism, but yep. I can tell you before I released that mop fly video, like I cringed and I thought once this goes live, like what are, right. are there people who watch my videos who have seen me tie, you know, these traditional Catskill style flies over the years. And they're now seeing a shift in my flies to see more like jig hooks and tungsten yeah. beads. And, and they're seeing that stuff now. And I'm, I, I really cringed and I thought, how are they going to respond to this? And it was a great response, and I, which I, I didn't do it for the response. I just, it's a fly that works. Like the mop fly is a really popular fly. Mm. So yes, I fished them. And one of my most recent videos uh, from the summer that I released was a micro mop. And it's, I mean, I, I, I kind of mentioned the fly shop where I learned about this material and this fly shop loves me, loves me now because they sold like 150 packets of this material in the first week when my video was released. So they were just yeah. like, Tim, like you got to mention us in every video. And I'm like, sorry, like it, do- it doesn't go that way. Like, yeah. sorry, that's, that's not the way it goes, but it was cool. Like to know, like, I, I guess I'm not saying I've matured in my fishing, but you have to kind of get over things and say, 
Like, if that person wants to fish with a strike indicator, let them do it. Like, who cares? Yeah, so that, yeah. If that who makes cares? Sense. Well, I think I think yeah. you, hit, you raised a really interesting point where it's like it's kind of two things. It's like one, you're, you're a creator, you're you're an authority on the sport that's putting out content that you know you, people have an opinion about. So it's like it's interesting a that you just touched on, you know how how you create things and and have to think about what the repercussions are in terms of yeah. uh, you know people taking it in. But but also that the idea that fly fishing or at least what it's turned into has become more of um like a sport where people can they really identify with it and it's almost like there's so so much more a sense of individuality which is really cool you know sure because yeah you're exa- you're exactly right which yeah. is neat cuz the heritage the tradition is really I love that stuff but it's like it's also like there's nothing wrong with a mop fly and it's cool that no, we can just you know <laughs> yeah yeah i think you take you take the good of of where the sport came from and 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 you know, to, you take the good of the innovation, and then yeah, at the end of the day, you know, fish however you want to fish. How you want, yeah. Yeah, but, no, but that's right. But I think it's uh, you didn't get any you know negative comments from your your consumers or your 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 viewers. Oh, oh absolutely. Oh, I get yeah. Of course, you get negative comments. Yeah, yeah I, wish get I, a few, I wish I could say you didn't. No, I, I mean, know. Yeah, it's it's a small percentage, and I mean, there's. I mean, I, I, I'm not sure what what your podcast is like, and and the audience respond how they're able to respond to you. For YouTube, it's it's out there, and I mean, people can they can leave comments, and mm-hmm. and I, I, we don't necessarily have to go down this path. But the one thing that I want to say to people sometimes is, hey, like you know, you're getting free videos. Like if you don't like yeah. it, you can click the pause button. And it, <laughs> now, if I say something wrong, or if I you know if I say something that doesn't it just doesn't connect, like absolutely, like I I love the discussion page of um, YouTube pages. Yeah. I just love that whole notion that you can leave a comment and multiple times like the creator will come back on or other people will just have a conversation down there and i encourage that in my videos i absolutely do Mm -hmm. every now and then you'll get a hater and and you just have to just decide which what route you want to go i'm i'm pretty professional in in my response where i'll i'll just say hey thanks for your opinion that was great you know i hope to look you know i look forward to your opinion on other videos or i'll just delete the comment because there's some people i mean there was one one individual that was Every video that came out, this person just had nothing positive to say. They could not find anything positive. And I thought, why do you keep watching my videos? Like, after the first, like, three or four, like, yeah. wouldn't you have just said, I'm done with Tim? Like, I'm, I'm done, but he still does. But, but like, I, I, like you're, you're, you're saying, I'm very cognizant of that because I released, I think my most recent release, uh, maybe two videos ago, was about strike indicators. And it was about this, um, this big airlock strike indicator. And, it, and oh, during the video, I yeah, they're they're wonderful and they have their place. And and yeah. anyone who's commented on social media about it, because I, I post my videos, you, you know, I self promote a little yeah. bit, and I've yeah. posted them on Facebook and on Instagram and all that fun stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's really funny because there's kind of a dialogue that will get started on some of the Facebook groups mm-hmm. about the video and the stuff that they're saying. It's obvious that they never watched the video because that stuff was all said in the video. And I yeah, thought, oh, here I am. I take all this time to really just make sure I'm covering my bases because they're right. Like there are it's not the only indicator or if you're into tight line nymphing, like maybe that's not the best approach yeah. for you in that situation. And that's like, the, that's where the conversation goes. And what I, I think that's the trickiest part of, you know, having a YouTube or putting out something that's up for discussion is that it, it's not even that I'm trying to um, cover all my bases. Like I want to forward the, the discussion mm-hmm. and I, I just hope people at least give the video an opportunity yeah. to say, all right, I'm going to at least look at this and, and think about it a little bit more in depth before I just, blast something out exactly, there and, and, and don't even yeah. think about it it's a, it, that and that's what I, my point is like the open-mindedness is what we love you know and yes. I, I think that's essential it's 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 one thing because you know i follow um this designer's name is draplin and he's incredible but 
You know, his oh, style yeah. his style's a certain way, but his style couldn't have got there if he didn't know the fundamentals. You know what I mean? He knows all sure. the all the the different styles. And I think that's what's essential. Um and I think that's yeah. you know, and, and, and that's that's why you can pivot. That's why you have a oh what if we did this and what if we did that? And I think like the hating the hater type comments, like I, that's good. Yeah. I like when we see that stuff. Yeah, no, that's great. Us, I, you know? <laughs> that's why A, that's why our our podcast exists because people have such like dead fast like uh, opinions about the most ridiculous stuff <laughs> and be that that people actually care enough to be like these guys uh, these guys suck or these guys are great you know like, oh, it's great. No. well yes i know what you mean i wish <laughs> i kind of wish i had more hate comments because it would give me something to be, like, it, it gives you more pr- I, I, it gives you more i don't press. want like your listeners thinking like man tim must get a lot of hate like no, no, no i get no, like maybe one comment a month that, of course yeah. whenever i get the comment it's like ah can you believe this and yeah i um I, I'm a teacher, like that's my that's my actual field. So I'm a right sixth on. grade teacher, and I, and I teach on a team of um, there's three of us that work together, and my students know about my YouTube channel, and mm-hmm. and you know everyone gives me a hard time about it at school just because like it's my yeah. they're like this is your your other side, like we don't get to see this side all the time, and I tell them about like you know if I get a negative comment now and then, and of course like one of my one of my uh, colleagues, she's a female, and she'll she'll say something along the line, well Taylor Swift will tell you you know haters are gonna hate, just just you know. <laughs> Brush it yeah, off, right. and then my other, like, and then my <laughs> other true. colleague though, like, he will just he wants to know what they said. He's like, please tell me. He just <laughs> likes he loves the controversy, and, yeah. and of course, like this year, I mean, this this will be the last story I'll tell about the haters. Yeah, I don't want to give them too much airtime. They yeah, love yeah. it. Like, <laughs> For yes, sure. we got because uh, it's just more comical than anything else. And I somebody commented and they said something along the line of like, you're sitting there and you're you're recording these videos and you're holding your coffee mug. Like, who do you think you are? Are you the king of the ties? And <laughs> I get this comment and I'm just like cracking up. I'm like, this is funny. I take a screenshot and I delete the comment. Cause I, yeah. what, what do you say to that? Like, yeah. there's nothing you can say yeah. like period. I, I just delete, yeah. but I made the mistake of forwarding it to my, to my colleague just to say, Hey, you'd love to see whenever I get a hate comment. Yeah. Here was, here was a funny one. And I shouldn't have done that because I walk into school like the next day, he has now told all the students that that's my new nickname, the King of the Ties. They're now addressing to me as the King. They're bowing to me whenever that's I come awesome. in, and, and, and know, they're man, commenting cool. on my channel now. They're like, "This is another great tie from the King of the Ties." And I'm like, <laughs> "Oh no, like, no awesome. don't let that out there." No, so it, it's definitely something to have fun with. Yeah, for sure. You might have to change Trout and Feather to King of the Ties or Lord of the Ties. Yeah, <laughs> Lord, <laughs> Lord of the Ties. Lord of the Ties. Lord of the Ties. Yeah, you can you you keep that hashtag. That's all. Yeah. <laughs> keep Lord of the Ties. Amazing. Um, um, okay, well, yes? Oh, no, sorry, Mitch, you go. Oh, no, of course. I just wanted to ask, like, how did you, like, what made you want to start the YouTube channel to begin with? I know we're talking about your channel, but, yeah. like, what made, what made you want to get into doing that? Yeah, well, you know, I love fly time. Like, that was for sure. And there was a friend of mine who lived, like, you know, on the, the West Coast, wanted to see how I tied a certain fly. So I was like, sure, I'll make a little, like, I knew about this YouTube thing. And this was around maybe seven years ago or so, and I... I thought, well, if nothing else, I'll make this video. I didn't want to put it out there to, to look like, you know, a goof. I thought I'll try to make it to look like just the semi, yeah. if, if, at least at the time. I thought it was kind of a, a semi-professional looking video. It was of a sulfur parachute fly. Like, you just love the pattern. Um, wanted to show how, like, my style of a parachute fly and just uploaded it and just kind of, like, let it sit there. And it was weird because after it released, like, I kind of watched it and just, you know, just to see how everything went out. And I got like views on it and like people commented on, it. I was like, that's really weird. Like I was just putting this out there for this friend. And so I waited a couple of weeks and, and like people, like I got these notifications from YouTube, like, Hey, people are, they like this video. And I thought it's kind of weird. Like maybe I'll do another one. So about a, a month after that first one, which I just put out there just for my friend to see how I tie my parachutes, 
I was like, well, I'll tie something else. And I just put out another one. And then it just, it was weird how it just kind of progressed from that point. And, and it just has continued ever since. So I've had to take it in different directions once it started to get a little bit bigger than I anticipated. But it was wild to know that I'm just kind of sharing something that I love just for everyone out there to see. And it's just kind of grown into something else. Um, would you say that, I mean, obviously, you know, your background in education, I mean, did that, that was that obviously an inspiration to also, you know, educate in, in the world of fly tying, like maybe take one of your hobbies and turn it into a, a passion? Like has teaching always been something that's, you know, interested you? Yes and no. Whether it's um, professionally I, or, or, or not so well, much. Yeah. I mean, I guess I, I'm sure kind of like the three of you, I kind of, and I think a lot of people want to figure out like where their niche is, especially in fly fishing, because it, it has that, kind of that feel good thing where you just feel like you want to be a part of it and you just have to figure out like, where's my place in it. And whenever I first started teaching, like I had my summers off and I decided I wanted to, like, I wanted to get into fly fishing at some point. So I, I took advantage of my summers and I started guiding in Eastern Pennsylvania on the Delaware river. And it was awesome. It was fantastic. But then I started to realize, you know, I'm a teacher and during my time off, I'm taking other people fly fishing. And I thought, like, I really thought guiding was going to be for me. And then I realized, like, it, this is kind of prohibiting my fishing time because it, I'm helping other people do it. And I'm, I'm almost not, not going down in my skill set, but you could tell I just didn't feel like that, I was making that progress that I wanted to. Can, so can, I, can I interject in, in terms of just catching for, fish? Sorry, sorry, sorry. Could I interject yeah, for a second? Uh, yeah. Do you still guide at all or no? No. Okay. No, I, I, no, I get asked to, but it's just not my thing because it takes so much time. I guide my wife. If you ask her, yes, I guide her every weekend, and she loves it. She, <laughs> she's getting a lot for her money's worth, that's for sure. <laughs> that's awesome. Okay, sorry, sorry. I didn't mean to derail that, that thought. I was just curious. No, it's okay. Yeah. No, please do. Um, so once I, I kind of took a step back from the guiding, and I thought, geez, this, just, this isn't it. Then that's when I just really kind of rededicated myself into fly fishing and just becoming a better, you know, more well-rounded fisherman. Because, and now this kind of ties back in because of that, you know, my history in, in Pennsylvania being steeped in some of this, this tradition, I really wanted to kind of get outside of that and just, you know, you know, figure out a little bit more about fly fishing beyond my comfort level. So that's kind of, I started to go off in that direction. And then, you know, lo and behold, that's kind of when YouTube, I don't want to say fell into my lap, but I put out these videos and I think in this, now this probably ties in a little bit because of my teaching background, I got a lot, I got a lot of positive comments. Um, a lot more than I anticipated. And it was because I really did take my time to explain stuff and go over the history of the flies or talk about how they're being used and in what situations you fish this pattern, which is a little bit different than a lot of the other YouTube creators because every creator has their own style. And it's, it, that's, the, that's the important part is that you really want to showcase what you know, you're known for and what you want to be known for. And I think mine was just going a little bit more in-depth and, and I'm a talker. So that was also something that came natural. Like, hey, I can talk for 15 or 20 minutes and not just show the fly, but I can also kind of share my own experiences with it. And I think that's kind of attributed to the yeah. success of my channel. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Being able to like, yeah, carry the content in a natural way, in an entertaining, interesting way is a, is a big thing, right? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so when it comes to instruction and teaching, you know, you're a teacher in your professional life, you teach fly tying, you were guiding at some point. What, what kind of, what do you find inspires you to keep doing it? Oh man. Um, that's a really tricky one. I can tell you whenever, I guess I'll tell the story. There was this, um, 
there's this fly tying symposium that takes place every year. It's called the International Fly Tying Symposium. It's just imagine just a room full of the best fly tires in the country, and it also has a little bit of an international flavor. And I've been very fortunate because I was asked to present there a number of years ago, and I had to decline. I just got married, and I just had a lot of stuff going on, and and I really wanted to. And, and the show's creator Chuck Fremsky, he remembered me, and, and he you know he'd watch my YouTube videos, and the next year he offered the invitation again, and I took him up on it. And so every year I get to, I go to the show, I'm, you know, I give these presentations, I get to connect with a lot of people that I only, you know, I know of from, you know, the online experience. And this year, I shouldn't say this, every, every year on Saturday night, there's a banquet and it's just a really wonderful event. And this year I'm sitting at the banquet and I'm sitting next to this gentleman and his wife, and I'm there with a few of my friends and we're all at this, this table with around 12 people. And I'm, as I'm talking to this gentleman, his name's Jim and and he says to his wife, like, you know, that's Tim, right? And she said, yeah, I, that's, that's Tim. I knew his voice right away. And he said, he's the one who taught me how to tie flies. And he was almost saying it was like, a, it, it was just, I'm not saying he was saying it with a tear in his eyes, but I, thought, I felt like I was supposed to cry or something because <laughs> like, he literally has watched all of my videos. Yeah. And has just, if I said this is the way to do it, he's done it that way. Mm-hmm. And I think whenever, whenever I actually get to connect with people in real life and and I hear comments like that because this guy was, you know, 60 years old. And here he is saying, yeah. you know, I, I've been watching your videos for almost a decade. And like, you're the reason I still tie flies today. Like that really, those types of instances really have just a profound impact on me. That's, a, that's amazing. That's an incredible experience. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. I yeah, mean, that's I'm very lucky. Yeah, that's an amazing, uh, that's a definitely a, an inspiring thing for sure. Yeah. Uh, Tim, you mentioned, uh, you know, obviously going to the fly fishing symposiums. Uh, uh, how many do you, do you do shows pretty often? Like, uh, like how much are you traveling for this? I guess is my question. I guess uh, not very much, although it's it's tricky. I'd like to, I'd love to do it more. I mean, I think as all of us know in fly fishing, we're not driving around Mercedes Benzes because we get paid that much. Like, well, that's, I that's mean, Yilma is, but <laughs> good for him. That was he's <laughs> the smart one of the group. Yeah. Well, one, you, in, one in every four, so he's the one out of us four. Well, Mer- Mercedes looks a lot like a little uh, Volkswagen. Yeah, yeah, it looks like a VW. It's, it's weird. <laughs> it's, it's weird. It, it, his Mercedes looks exactly like a Volkswagen in every way, somehow. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. Um, I like the shows. I, I really enjoy the shows, but um, I did tell my wife, and I, I kind of made this a little promise in a sense, and I, I kind of say I, I won't do more than one show a month just because it can be overwhelming. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. I mean, I get contacted pretty much – Every week or every two weeks, I get invited by a fly fishing club or a trout club or some type of a show to, to be a headliner or just to give a presentation. And it's, it's weird for me because a lot of people will reach out and, and, like, you know I'm from Pennsylvania, but on YouTube, for some reason, I don't say that very much. I mean, I tell about myself, but I don't go into extreme details by any means. And I'll get emails just like, hey, Tim, we're having a, a meeting next week. Is there any chance you can pop in and maybe do a fly tying demo for 45 minutes? And they're in Montana. And I have to say, like, now I'm in Pennsylvania. Like, it's not really that easy to just pop in. And it's crazy because I get, I, I mean, I'm saying this, like, I get a lot of emails like that. Now there's, now that I think as my channel's grown a little bit more, people have realized kind of my honey hole areas, Pennsylvania and New York and, and you know, New Jersey and, and Michigan and Ohio, I get reached, reached out a lot by those groups too to say, hey, will you stop over? And it's definitely doable. But then the next issue that I have is that I am a teacher and we only get so many personal days and so many days off a year. And we have all summer, but trout clubs don't meet in the summer. That's not when yeah, they're, they're, that's they're, not when they're having the summer, those yeah. banquets. Yeah. So it's very tricky. Like um, 
when I, I went to a recent fly fishing show in the fall and like my students are telling me before I go, Hey, good luck at the show. Like they know I'm going to be gone. So if I take like a personal day or if I take a, a day off, like they know that's where I am. Like I can't, I can't hide that. So I have to really be cognizant of that because I love my day job and it's, it's the one that really provides the income for me. So I have to be aware that that's my number one responsibility. And these shows are, or second, maybe someday in the future, I'd love to have an early retirement and I can kind of dedicate more time. But I can tell you at one of the, mo- the more recent shows, I was slated to give a presentation on like a Friday afternoon. And I had to sh- call the show sponsor and say, Hey, listen, you know, I'd love to do this. Thanks for putting me in one of these primo spots, but I can't be there. And you have to take that off your website because if my administration sees it, like I'm getting called into HR on Monday and they're going to like, yeah. like <laughs> it just can't happen. And, and this person's mad. They're like, what are you, like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm giving you this spot. I'm like, I know, but I just can't do it. So I really have to kind of pick and choose my, my shows throughout the year. So I, I, I'm fortunate in that I have, yeah. I, I am asked to do some of the bigger ones. And whenever I can say yes to those shows, it makes it a little bit more worthwhile. Cool. So, I love that. I got a question for you. I've seen, okay, so we do a lot of little, you know, fly tying events here. We have what sure. to fly. We have um, flies and flights. And we're seeing every, you know, it's packed. Um, so I guess my question is, do you see, do you see a sh- this as a, shrink, a shrinking sort of art sport at all? Or do you see it, do you see momentum? In fly tying. In fly tying. In fly tying. Yeah. Um, Man, I, I don't want to say I see either one. What I tend to see more is I see growth in different areas of the country. Because I, I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of centered in the United States in terms of my YouTube channel. And I have I've access to my analytics. And I see kind of my views in other countries. And I have views in a few European countries and in Canada and South America. But throughout the country, I can see like the pockets where it really is on the rise. For instance, in Denver right now, in Colorado, like that's, in that area, like it has really just, I mean, it's always been a hotbed for fly fishing and fly tying, but it has really just kind of started to skyrocket versus some of the more traditional places. I don't see it growing as much anymore. And it's, it's weird that it kind of slows down in one area and it picks up in another area. I definitely am more encouraged by whenever I see fly tying events, especially those that take place at a brewery and you get such a younger crowd. And it's really awesome to see like whenever you have them kind of centered around there, you do have this younger crowd, but in the Pittsburgh area, we kind of have like a, a mix and match of, because I'm, I'm centered in Western Pennsylvania, and we have this kind of mix and match of individuals. The types of flies they expect you to tie at those events are completely different than what they would expect me to tie if I was out in Colorado tying. So it's, it's definitely, I don't want to say I see growth or I don't see growth, but I definitely still see tires. And I can tell you just from at least watching the views on my videos, they've been consistently going up. They've been increasing. I don't know if I attribute it to more tires out there or just my videos or, you know, they're just connecting with more people, but that's where I see it. Just pockets. You'll just see this pocket of growth really centered more around young people than nothing than anything else. I wonder why, I wonder what it is. Like, why do you think it's Denver, Colorado, for example, or a pocket? What, like, what do you think is happening there that's causing younger people to get into the sport? I think it's the culture to be outside and to just mm-hmm. do more stuff outside mm-hmm. because, I mean, I don't know about you, but we've had a lot of conversations, even within the, our, the school system, about like technology and the notion of smartphones and 
you can't go anywhere without your phone anymore. That's yep. just, it's, a, it's accepted. And I think there's so many people now that are kind of taking the outdoors for granted. And I'm, I'm not here to oh, say, like, get off your phone or anything like that. I mean, I have one. Like, I use it all the time. I mean, my wife would probably say I'm online, you know, more than I need to be. And she might admit that for herself, too. But whenever I think about those areas where I see that growth, it's with people who really appreciate the outdoors more than some other areas. And that's, I think it's just natural that the more that you're outside, the more you want to connect with it. And fly tying's a way to do that whenever you, you kind of add on to that experience of fly fishing. And it just makes it a little bit more rewarding in the end. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, that's for sure. Okay, okay. I want to I wanna take a second here to think a little bit more about uh, or talk a little bit with you about how, okay, we got Yelma sitting here. His resolution for the year is getting into fly tying. What are some yeah. tips for beginners? What are some things that, you know, you're starting out fly tying. What are some things that you think uh, people could, could, could learn about, uh, you know, getting into it? This should be my question, um, Tim, but of I'm going to let Mitch take it. I'm <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, sorry, uh, well, you only just want to repeat yeah. what he just said? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I kind of do. No, I'm just kidding. You, go ahead. If you want to restate it, go ahead. All right. Well, n- am I allowed to say first, watch my videos, Yoma? That will be number one. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. If you watch them, hundred percent good there, but. You mean again? No. Um, I mean, if you're a beginner, first of all, I, I get tons of questions from be- beginners. And it's like some of the more common questions are, what flies should I tie? Like, what are the first fly, five flies to tie? And it's funny because over the years, it's like you had the woolly bugger or maybe you had some certain streamers. And now, like, you have to tie the mop or the squirmy wormy. And it's, it, it kind of – I don't like to give any answers for that. But I, I tell people, like, if you are already in fly fishing, because I kind of make the assumption that – Anyone who's getting into fly tying probably was into fly fishing already, and they've now decided to connect it. So the first thing that I tell people is don't watch YouTube. Don't, like, don't like, reinvest in watching all these specific channels. Just look into your fly box and say to yourself, what are the you know, three to six most common flies that I fish? Mm-hmm. And That's now let's just, let's, yeah, let's just concentrate on, on learning how to tie one of those flies. Yeah. And that's kind of my first piece of advice because, I mean, you know, when we go into a fly shop, you see just all of this stuff. And it's overwhelming for me at times whenever I go into some of the larger ones, because there's just so many new products that are constantly on the rise. And you, you feel like I got to have all this stuff. I don't know where I'm going to use it, but I just want it. And, I, and whenever I purchase stuff, I don't just buy like one of it. I buy every color because I just feel like if I don't have every color, that one color that I don't have, I'm going to need. So <laughs> I'm just this like hoarder when it comes to fly tying stuff. Yeah. But then I look through my stuff and when I'm going through all my materials, there's only like four or five that I feel like I'm even using on a regular basis. So yeah. that's, that would be my next tip is after you have those patterns that you've decided on, just say to yourself, what are the two most common sizes that I fish these in? Buy the materials for you know, those three patterns in a couple different sizes, and then you can kind of start to break it down. And, and it's up to that individual person because some people can't just sit down for three weeks in a row and just tie the same fly. If you have that patience and if you have that almost durability or, you know, if you're able to do that, it's really rewarding to be able to just concentrate and then start to break down the pattern just to really try your best to mimic whatever, the, you know, whatever you think it's supposed to look like. And, and that's kind of, from that point then, whenever I get those next, that next tier of questions, like, all right, I got my flies, I'm, I'm ready to start tying them. What do I do next? And I think I told you whenever I first started, you know, tying flies, I would crowd the eye. I mean, I'm sure there's early videos of mine that I still probably crowd at the eye because it's just a natural tendency to build it up. And that's like the first step is don't go anywhere near the eye of the fly until you're ready to tie off. Like yeah. that's number one. And then number two, make sure you, you've learned how to you know, complete a, a whip finish or a bunch of half hitches just and, and do them occasionally. Like I don't, but there's nothing worse than a beginner and you have 
maybe four out of the eight steps complete and your fly just comes unraveled. It's very disheartening and it's easy to see why people give up. So those are kind of my early tips or learn how to tie knots, stay away from the eye of the hook. And then, you know, most importantly, try to match the proportions of whatever that fly is you're attempting to mimic, either the natural insect or if you're just trying to, to match another pattern that, you know, maybe it's the hair's ear. Try to match the proportions of that hair's ear to your own. And once you get those proportions down, everything else will really just start to fall in line. Yeah. Yeah, so it's really not overcomplicating it and just keeping it, keep, keeping it simple. I'm, I'm paying close attention, as you can see. But, um, yeah, those are great. Good. Yeah, I think yeah. that's a great well, point. Like, <clears throat> be more, like, utilitarian, yeah. you know, with, with – with your um with your selection like just look at what you use and maybe you should just tie that instead of buying it um now on that note <laughs> you know you, you mentioned you did you've, you've kind of been moving towards doing a lot of tutorials like we've brought up the mop fly a couple times but but talking about sure. guide flies you know yeah as opposed to you know maybe flies that you that maybe are a little bit prettier or ones that you find in a fly shop i mean you know ever since i started guiding last year I, re- I've, I realized really quickly what it meant to tie glide flies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> are you finding that yeah. people are, are being a little bit more utilitarian with their tying or, or maybe, or, well, or I guess, it? I guess there's probably like, what am I trying to yeah. ask? Like, is, yes. is there a push? I guess what I'm asking is, you know, is there a push towards being a little bit simpler and more utilitarian with flies? Or is there still that, you know, that thirst to be a little bit more ornate, like tying a salmon fly or something for, for just, sure. the, for just the art, the art of doing it. Um, yeah, that's a really good question. That's one that I think that's really the heart of fly tying. And this kind of probably goes back to whenever I was mentioning that what's great about fly fishing is very similar with fly tying. You can go in whatever direction you want. I mean, whenever it comes to salmon flies, that's something like I, I've always said, I, I hope someday I'm going to be able to sit down and tie a salmon fly if it takes me X amount of hours, like that's fine. I can really appreciate that side. And for any of your listeners that tie their own salmon flies and they know how to marry wings, like that's awesome. I just recently read that book. Um, is it the feathered thief? And it was oh, yeah, just, yeah. Oh, it's so intriguing. And yeah. for any listener out there, like pause the podcast right now, like go to your mm-hmm. library or like well, I don't know about that. Amazon. <laughs> oh, it's, oh, it's such a, it was such an awesome read. And I don't even tie salmon flies, but it was just cool to see that yeah. there, this book the, in the, in the feather thief, they're talking about these, these individuals who are purchasing these, these exotic materials and they don't even fish. It's just to tie flies. So you look at that end and you have people who just appreciate it from the art form. And then, and I'll kind of circle back around to your question. So you have that, that, that's the one end of the spectrum. Then you kind of have that middle end of the spectrum where you have people tying all these different patterns to, from realistic to a little bit more, you know, to, to match the insect. And then you kind of have those guide flies on the, on the far right. So whenever you kind of look at that entire spectrum, I would like to tell you, like my, I, I can tell you personally, my own tying has shifted more towards the guide flies because they catch fish. And it may be because I hang out with more individuals that are, you know, in these competitions. And one of my close friends is a, is a member of fly fishing team USA. His name's Josh Miller. And he's just, an incredible fly fisherman and he cranks out flies that people would not believe the flies that he catches fish on. They're just that simple and they're that basic. And a lot of people haven't realized that it's not really about the fly so much as it is the technique behind it. And like, I, I get it now, but when I circle back around and, and we talk about that international fly tying symposium, yeah. you walk into this room, it's this giant ballroom yeah. and you have every style of fly tire there. And I remember so one cool. year, Josh and I were walking through and we were like, don't look at these flies because like they're flies like neither one of us would 
would fish. Like not like we're not looking down upon them by any means. And I, I hope people don't don't look at it from that perspective. But it's they're not needed, right. and it's tricky because now whenever you pull the social media aspect on it and you go on Instagram and you see some of these beautiful flies, there's fly tires out there who put those flies out there and, and they're fishing them just to kind of prove to other people you can catch fish on these beautiful flies. And it's, it's kind of like, it's almost comical. Like you don't, you don't have to do that. Like it's, yeah. it's great that you tie them. Like I appreciate them. Like I hope that I'm able to tie a salmon fly at some point in my life. Like I, I can absolutely appreciate that, but mm. I guess using that word utilitarian, uh, I guess that kind of is where I am in my current tying right now because of a lack of time. And, and I, and I just am not investing in a lot of these more intricate techniques that I would have invested in five or 10 years ago. So, okay. So do you think that, okay, that's an interesting point. Like, I wonder if, I mean, fly tying is sort of its own thing altogether. Do you think that some people get more into fly tying than they do the fishing part? Oh, 100%. Yeah. (laughs) I can tell you whenever people ask me the question, like Tim, do you prefer fly tying or fly fishing? Like right then, I know their answer because I don't think any fly fisherman would ask that question because you're a fly fisherman. Like, yeah. So I know right then, like, oh, I know the answer they're looking for, and they're not going to be happy with mine because, like, I love to tie flies, but yeah. I, that's to support my fly fishing habit. Like, right. the fly fishing is my addiction, and I tie flies to support that addiction. <laughs> yeah. But it's because I have a YouTube channel that's centered around fly tying. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm known for. So when you look at some of my early videos from six or seven years ago, and I did share more of those intricate techniques – a lot of people look at it as like, oh, like Tim is one of us. And I'm like, oh, like I am like, I love the fly tying, but it's, it's to support my dirty habit. Cause I got to get fishing. Like if I'm not fishing three days a week, like this is an off week. Like I got to get out there. <laughs> uh, I'm, not, I'm not one of you guys. Sorry. Anyone who sees me at the symposium next year, just forget what I just said. That's funny. <laughs> what has got, what's got you excited about fly tying? Like, right. Like these days. Um, gosh, I can tell you seeing all these, I guess what, what gets me really going is knowing there's all these different styles that I haven't fully explored yet. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, and I, I love the jig nymphs. I'm, I'm completely into that style of fishing. I, I completely invested a few years ago. Yeah. I'm, and you know, you just catch so many more fish. There's no, there's no question. Anyone who says you don't, they haven't, they haven't committed to it. You do. I remember when I first start, started getting into the tight line nymphing, I would come home from fishing and my wife would say, I would, she would ask, you know, how'd, I, how'd you do? And I'm not a numbers guy, but I would have an approximate number. Mm-hmm. And at one point she said to me, are you like, is something happening? Like you're saying numbers that are like double what you would normally say. And, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, like this is really, it, it's really that effective. And I'm, I was fishing the same waterways and it kind of forced me to explore new waterways too, just to see like, yeah. are there really this many more fish? And I'm not going to say numbers, you know, on a podcast, but if you're not, if you're not getting that success, maybe you should invest in a guide because those numbers really do exist. And whenever I started hitting these numbers, I was like, wow, like this is crazy. And it really just made me want to learn more about the notion of jig nymphs and about these slender body flies or about these just flies that can imitate ever anything. So that got me super excited for a few years. And right now, like I'm on a current kick with articulated streamers and Mm. just, I'm fascinated with the streamer game and I feel like I'm like four years behind, but I, I have these streamers that I've been fishing and I've had lots of success with them. And now I'm like, gosh, I just read another book from Kelly Gallup and I'm like, oh, I'm just, I'm going all in again this year. I'm buying a new rod. I just got a new line. And it's like, it's knowing that there's just that next thing is it's, yeah. there's never that end. Like you can't just never say, Oh, ends. I did it. Like I'm done. No, it's, 
it it's doesn't. kind of maddening, but that's the that's the beauty of it. Absolutely, like yeah, like just the absolute uh, yeah, like you said, never ends. I mean, streamers is a whole other ball game. I mean, uh, yeah. We've got uh we've got a friend down here who uh, his name is Nick Groves. He ties pretty pretty beautiful streamers. Oh yeah, um, big time. Catching those big browns on the grand. I mean, God, those are cool streamers, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I, do it. I remember my biggest fish on the grand was on a streamer years ago. That was my. I remember this brown that just just chased this streamer out, and and I I had I didn't fish a, a streamer since there. It was just like that was just the one time I used it. Now I'm looking back at these days, like why did I not keep fishing streamers? I just. <laughs> I got this. I had the response and everything, and I just yeah. didn't go back to it. Hey, I think I think the one thing to note is just like you know, there's no necessarily right way to do it. It's just like some things produce more fish. Doesn't mean it's the right way to do it, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're exactly right. Or the right thing for that person. Yeah, I think it's like yeah, he, that's he, right. Talking, yeah, that's, I, talking yeah. talking about talking about you know what we were talking about maybe when we started the podcast. You know, maybe some guy like I I've got a friend James. He just loves streamers. Like I'll be you know. I'll be out fishing him on nymphs all day, and he's he doesn't care because he wants to catch one on a street, right? <laughs> exactly. I mean, yeah. we're we're all we're all swinging two handed rods for for steelhead, but we know the guys that are that are you know fishing eggs. They're sorry, well, like egg patterns under an indicator, catching yeah. way more fish than us. Yeah. But it's like you just find your thing and you kind of get stuck to it. Uh, uh, bridging off of like what we were talking about, like what gets you excited. Are you seeing like a switch to like more like interesting new like if we're talking about articulated streamers and tungsten heads and stuff? Are are, are you seeing? Are there any other like innovative materials that that are getting you excited as well? Like oh man, I can't wait for the because for example this year I went nuts with tying with tungsten and nuts with yeah. tying with uh, you know EP fibers and stuff like that. Which oh, you yeah. know I will say that like I've although I've tied my entire fly fishing career since I was ten. Yeah. I, I did, there definitely was a departure there for about like a good eight years when I was running restaurants and I was like, I've got no time to tie. But now that I'm back into it, I'm like, there's all these new things that I'm, you know, and I was working at Drift, the fly shop here in Toronto and, and just exposed to all these amazing materials. And there's like, there's more and more and I'm, and now I'm fishing saltwater more and, oh. you know, and, and eat like things like eat and, and big pike flies. We took a big pike trip this year. And so for me, like, tying those big predator flies the huge fi- like ep fibers and using tungsten mm-hmm. you know slotted beads and stuff that's got me all excited so i don't know what it, what's what's <laughs> what's getting you jazzed <laughs> yeah that's a, you know what I'll, i won't lie like i know exactly what you mean it's like there are those things that kind of keep you coming back and it's like wow how did i miss out on this i'm a little bit more nerdy when it comes to some of that stuff because it's like the little things in fly tying are, are kind of the things that pull me in now the one thing i'll say i'll take a step back because I'm friends with a lot of these people who are, who will fish for some of these competitions and, and I, because of kind of my role and, and that I am seen as this personality in a sense, I'm very fortunate in that people will share certain patterns with me and they'll be like, Tim, you can't tell anybody about this fly, but you're going to just slaughter fish on this for the next year. You'll, it'll, it's going to come out eventually, but you just can't be the one to let anybody know about it. And I'm like, ah, which is cool, but it also stinks because there's certain materials that like people wouldn't even think these are fly tying materials. And then sure enough, like, wow, you're catching all these fish. And like, we could talk about the squirmy wormy and like those types of flies that, that like, you know, people had known about them. Like I had known about that fly for a while, but you just couldn't say anything until, you know, sure enough, like people started to see it in a fish's mouth on Instagram. And then, you know, they should start asking questions and one thing leads to another. And now we're all fortunate enough to fish with it. So that's the, that's the one side of like, you know, being part of YouTube and, and having this, this, um, I guess this type of a channel that it's cool that I'm, I do have access and I do see some of this like stuff that 
a lot of the public probably won't know about for another year, which is, it's great. But then the other side of it is like, man, here I am, like, I'm trying to share, but whenever you're, you're put in confidence, like, hey, this is a new thing, but you can't do it. It really stinks because it's, that's just the way it, that's the way it is. And, and my channel is about like not sharing or not like holding back secrets, but if it's mine that I've, you know, uncovered myself or if it's already out there in a sense, and I, if I see it anywhere and I know about it, I'll immediately tell the person who told me, Hey, it's here. Just so you know, like I'm sharing this now, like you're okay with that now. Right. And they're like, yeah, cause I don't want to also lose that confidence in the person because like, I, I know, um, I think on your show, you've had a couple individuals who are on team Canada for that, for their fly fishing team. Yeah. And at the end of the day, like those, those, all these individuals, they connect after all those gatherings, but they're trying to win and they're competitors. And they know like if they have that next big thing, like they can't let the other teams figure it out. It could be a technique. It could be a certain material, but once they have that thing, like they just got to hold on to it for a while until it does run its course and people do find out about it. So with that said, I can't go down that path necessarily, but I will tell you probably the three biggest things that I've really been at least the most impressed about. So I'll I'll kind of do a few that I've been impressed about and then a few that I'm looking forward to. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, I can think back to when I was, you know, growing up and I loved dry flies and the hackle that I had was terrible because I didn't have any money. I couldn't afford the good stuff. And the good stuff back then is like garbage today. So whenever (laughs) I see like this one website that has a flash hackle sale and like you're looking at these pictures of these saddle hackles that will tie like size 18s and 20s. And there's like 200 feathers hanging off this thing and they want 200 bucks as well. I'm like, oh my gosh, like look how nice this stuff is. Like we didn't even have that stuff then. Like it just blows me away. And, but then I look at it from the other perspective. I have all these necks and all these saddles and I rarely use hackle anymore. Like I love deer hair and CDC and those are kind of like my go-to materials now. So it's frustrating because it's like we have this wonderful resource of hackle today and I don't even take advantage of it as much as I should. So that's probably, that's the biggest advancement I've seen at least has been hackle. Um, The other thing that I really have, have been just super impressed about has been kind of the creation and, and the advancement of all the glues that we have in fly tying. I mean, that's, I'll go back to my Uncle John. Like, you couldn't use super glue in a fly. If he would have seen, like, super glue anywhere near my fly tying desk, yeah. he would have thrown it away. Like, that, was just, <laughs> that wasn't something that you used. Yeah. And I can still, like, remember the first fly tire that I saw that as this individual was tying this fly, and it was, I think, a pike or a musky fly, they just put a bunch of super glue with, the, with the, um, the brush on their thread, and they wrapped it, like, 15 times, and they just cut it off. Yeah. They didn't whip it. They didn't even, and they, they, they acknowledge this is a relatively famous fly tire. They acknowledged to the crowd, like they didn't even know how to do a whip finish, but it didn't matter because yeah. they had super glue. And that was kind of like an eye opening moment for me because here I am thinking like, you have to know how to whip finish. Like yeah. everyone does. Yeah. And this yeah. guy, like he's a great fly tire. He catches these monster fish. Yeah. He's never done a whip finish in his entire life. So Jeez. knowing that we like now thinking about super glues and how I was resistant to them. Like now, if you look at it, like, I'm on the pro team of Solaries and I'm using these UV products and I'm like, man, I don't even have to tie in rubber legs anymore. I just set a rubber leg in and a little, you know, dab of um, like a, a thick yeah. UV glue, yeah. hit it with the flashlight, then run up my chenille for like a patch rubber legs. It's like, yeah. like, wow, I don't even need thread anymore on some of these flies. When I say that, like almost serious, like there's almost, yeah, yeah. you, you, you kind of have a, com- a complete new, you know, outlook on, on time because of glues today. That's crazy. Like that's like yeah. Like I, I I never see. I never like I love tying flies. I never thought about glue in that way. But it's true. Like it's advancing to such a, you know, you're almost just um, you could just patch it like you said, patch together without thread if you want. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty wild. I love the and, UV and, glue. Oh, don't you? 
Isn't yeah. that stuff crazy? It's, it's awesome. It's crazy. Yeah, no, I, I love it, but the ice keep falling off, and it's not because of the fish, because... I'm not catching any. So like, I feel like. <laughs> so, <laughs> Wait, what do you mean? What, what do you mean the eyes are falling off? I, so, think, I think he's talking about his pike fly. Yeah, the pike fly. My pike flies, the eyes were, you know, they kept, um, yeah, falling off. And we, oh. yeah, I don't, I I don't know if there's was. like a, a better way to. I will say, though, I had one fly in when we were up north, mm-hmm. and it had, it had yeah. one eye on and one eye off, and that's that was like the top producer. Blinking. <laughs> I called him oh, I, I, and, I, and yeah. I called him Blinky. Yeah, no, and, that, and that's a good point. I mean, are, are the pike really concerned whether? Oh my God, does this does this uh, fly have eyes? Is it real? You know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah, yeah. So that's the other thing. But yeah, what do you think? Do the fly? Do the fish care about these little details? Like, <laughs> no, they don't. No, of course not. Come on. I was teaching a fly tying class last week, and it was right. on articulated streamers. And um, as I'm tying this. We finished the streamer, and I put on one of those scalpet heads. Do you know what those are? Yes. Yep. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They're, I think, from Flymen Company. And yep. if you're not using a sinking line, it's nice to have that, that fly head on there. And we talked about that. So I, I, you know, I super glued it on. I put some thread at the front, hit it with super glue in the front again. And then I said to them, all right, if I was making a fly tying video for YouTube, this is where I would put on the eye and put super glue over it so it doesn't come off. Mm-hmm. But since I'm tying it for you... If you want me to do that, I will, but I'll let you know, like, I'm just going to take a black Sharpie and just color it black. Like, if, if I want something that's going to represent an eye, I'm going to put in, like, a giant, like, dumbbell eye that has a complete, like, red, you know, it's just complete red all around with a little black dot in the center, or I'm going to put in something that's just so atrocious that you can't miss it. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to some of those other, other things, I mean, from a streamer perspective, those fish are chasing. Like, yeah. it's just a reaction for them. I, I don't, I'm not saying it's. It's bad. I'm sure somebody's gonna just you know light me up and say no. It's all about the eye, but sure, no, yeah. it's at the end. Of, it's not. No, like it's it's not about <laughs> that. At all. Yeah, I mean, if you're not matching yeah. the hatch, I mean, how accurate do you have to be? Yeah. No. But that's the interesting part, you know. I I think it's almost like almost like in your in your mind, what elements do you think you need in order to have a fly that that is a fly attracting fish and wanting them to eat it? You know, because mm-hmm. we talk about. The eyes don't really matter. The colors for certain things, it's like, you know, they're kind of for us, you know. It's like, so So what are the elements that, that are sort of necessary for attracting fish? Uh, that's probably, that's a really, go- that's an awesome question, Mitch. And I think if, if I had the true answer to that, I would probably be a millionaire in fly fishing. Or at <laughs> yeah, least sure, be, yeah. You know, have a thousand dollars in it. But I, I kind of think that that really is what, what changes based on the situation that you're in. I, I don't want to like give a cop-out answer and mm-hmm. be like, well, it really changes. But I think that's, that's really – that's the ultimate variable in fly fishing And that if you're in a certain situation, like maybe they do want something. Maybe you want something slender, not because the fish are feeding on something slender. I mean, let's, let's talk about a specific fly, like the Paragon fly, or a, a, a very uh, – we'll say a thin thread body you know, jig nymph. So we'll just kind of go down that route. And a lot of people are fishing those flies, and they're fishing them in like – a foot of water and they're just dragging them on the bottom. And, and it's like, well, that's not really the instance where you're intended to use that fly because the whole notion is that you have this super thin, you know, um, paradigm pattern. It's, you know, it's created by the, the Spaniards and you're fishing it on seven X. So it draw, like if you're fishing a really fast run, it can get to the bottom of that run a lot quicker and have a lot less resistance than others. So in some instances, it's just that at least in my, from my opinion, whenever you're having success with, with that pattern, with a specific pattern in that situation, you're having it because you're putting a fly in front of a fish with less resistance than, than other people have been able to. So I think that's, that's been part of the success for a lot of the patterns that, that people have is that 
especially now that they're tightlining or they're finding ways to reduce their resistance, they're making it look a little bit more like, I'm not saying something natural, but they're making it, they're making it act a little bit more natural. And that's probably the most important part. And that's something that I've learned from more fishermen that have the people that I, I, I typically practice catch and release, but I can tell you from like people who, who kill fish and who, who um, eat them on a regular basis, whenever they look inside of a, a trout, we'll, we'll just go down that path. And, yeah. and they say like, this is what the fish is eating. Mm-hmm. There's like leaves and little pieces of wood. I mean, right. for, for a fish, they, I mean, they're facing upstream and they have just all this stuff just pummeling them and they have mm-hmm. to make this split section, this split second, yeah. um, you know, decision. Like, do I eat this or, or do I not? And I, and I think that's why people have had so much. I don't think, I know it's, that's why people have had success is that mm-hmm. they're able to take these, these flies that, may or may not be great flies, but they're able to put them in, you know, and they're able to present them now in a manner that even if it's not something that that fish is eating, it could be a color they've never eaten in their entire life, but they're willing to try it. And that's kind of shifted the thinking on it. Now, whenever we talk about like emergers or dry flies, now that's completely different because like that's, that was my expertise when I was a guide. I was kind of known for, to be an emerger guide, and I was able to help people catch technical trout on the Delaware River. Like that, that was my thing, and I loved it. And for me, like that was really the notion of fly design and how you're presenting the fly to them, and, and you're trying to find these characteristics that the fish are keying on because to everybody else it looked like these brown trout are just taking, um, we'll say, a sulfur done on the surface. And it, that's what it looked like. And you would see these little sailboat sulfurs floating down and maybe these fish would eat it. And you would float yours down on six X and seven X. And if you had it eight X and they would just ignore yours. And then if you took a second, you, you were able to finally like stay in the water and you would look at the pattern, you would realize it looked like it done on the surface, but they actually still had their trailing shuck attached. So then if you had a fly that had trailing shuck attached, like first cast with like five X, you got this fish. So it was kind of, it was cool because if you had an understanding of what was going on from that perspective of the entire mayfly life cycle, you had more success. And, and I think that's for a lot of people now who are getting into um, trout fishing and they love the nymph fishing component. I think when they start to think about what's the next game, it's about figuring out a little bit more about like the insects that the fish are eating that are a little bit more technical trout and then trying to figure out ways to, to fool those ones. I think you hit the nail on the head. Like honestly, it's it's like it's such a cool way of looking at. It's more about imitation than it is about necessarily the fly you're presenting. I mean, obviously sure. the fly is important, but presentation is such a key factor, yeah. and I, that's such a cool way. Of course, it's sort of one of those things where it's like, of course, but it's like I think sometimes we might forget <laughs> that. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I mean, oh, that's, do, that's, yeah. the, that's the rule, uh, Tim. That's the rule we had when we went out to at Ab- You know, when we're when we're tying our flies, it's like make sure that thing needs to move needs to push water. I mean, because that's what the that's what the pike are gonna be attracted. But to. but at the yeah. same but at the same time, Tim, the best thing about Atapascat is a uh, pike up there. We need a sock attached to a hook. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which was awesome for us because we're like, let's tie flies. We like yeah. stick bucktail on a yeah, hook. Yeah, but Mitch, like, done. <laughs> the sock pushes water, dude. That's true. Yeah. Right? Yeah. No, that's a great way. That's a great that's a great way of looking at like the effectiveness of fly patterns is imitation and. You know, put those put that time in on the water. Yeah. Um, yeah. The other thing I'm curious about too is just okay. So when you let's say you come to a new body of water, I don't know how often that happens necessarily, but you you come to a new lake, you come to a new river. What what's your what's your sort of thought process with picking a fly to start fishing that that lake or river? Like, how do you start? What what how do you decide just how to hit it, the water? Man, that's that's an awesome question. Um, I, I guess I'll tell a story. Maybe this will help. Once I got, I got into the, the tight lining and all that fun stuff, 
I mean, the, one of the most common patterns that people know about right now is called the sexy waltz. And it's, a, it's an awesome pattern. It's basically just a very slender hair's ear with a hotspot collar or a hotspot butt or something along those lines on a jig hook. Yeah. And it's, just, it's a great fly. It catches a lot of fish for a lot of people. Yeah. And it, looks, it could be a caddis. It could be you know, a, a light-colored mayfly. I mean, it could represent a lot of different things, but it just looks like something in the water. It's just buggy enough that the trout want to try it. Well, I, had, I was fishing these brook trout streams just one day, and there's this one brook trout stream. It was, and this is a brand-new piece of water that I was on. Um, and it's this brook trout stream that flows into another, another stream that's maybe 25, 30 feet wide. And right where, you know, this, this, this brook trout stream, you know, comes in right there at that mouth, there was a little riffle downstream from it. And I thought, geez, this riffle leads to a run. Like, this has just got, like, this is the perfect water for this sexy waltz that I have on. I think I even took off the one with the hot spot. It was just a, it was just a gray one. Yeah. And I, I come through and I, I start catching fish and I caught maybe like, six fish through this little riffle. And, and I, now I'll take a step back. I'd never fished this little stream before. Mm-hmm. I didn't know anything about it, but to me, I just felt like six fish wasn't enough for this little spot. It just <laughs> didn't seem like it was enough. And yeah. there was just something that was bugging me. Mm-hmm. And I look back through the water and I say to myself, wait a second, I'm on a freestone stream. I think if the fish were going to respond to something, they'd respond to brown, not gray. And the one that I had on it had more gray in it than brown because I had been fishing like a limestone stream. Yeah. And a lot of fish in those lime, limestone streams feed on scuds and they're a little, and crest bugs, and they're very gray in that stream I was fishing. So I was really leaning down that gray path, and they were extremely gray, sexy waltz. So I went back to the bottom. I put on a brown one. I went back through, and I got like six or eight more fish. And that just instantly it, it kind of reaffirmed that, sure, you could do it with a generic pattern, but if there's a certain color, those fish are kind of a little bit more prone to eating. You're going to have even more success. Right. And it was, it was like, that was kind of an eye opening moment for me that I was, I was able to put that all together and say, this is even a freestone versus a limestone, just that little color. And the, the flies were identical in terms of size, in terms of ribbing material, but it was just, one was really gray and one was more of like a brownish tan. Yeah. And that's, that was all the difference. So oh, whenever I look for water types, I, I, I mean, I, I take a step back and I think about what's the temperature for the day, where are the fish going to be? Is it a sunny day? Is it a shady day? Mm-hmm. If it's sunny, they probably won't be in that sun depending on the water depth or if it's cold, they might be closer to the sun. I, so there's a lot of factors that I look into. The tricky thing is, and I think now that I kind of go down that path where whenever you have a lot of positive experience fishing, we'll say like a riffle, that whenever that riffle's not on, you have to know what to do next. And I think that's kind of the fun part of it where you can say, well, here's some pocket water. I can't drift that paragon through because I'm just going to be hanging up on the bottom. Mm-hmm. Instead, let me, let me go with some, a WD-40 that looks like a blueing olive because yeah. I know blueing olives are prevalent here, and that's not going to be dragging on the bottom, but I can still have contact with the fly. Yeah. So I, I kind of look for water type, and I think about temperature, and then I start to kind of pick it apart from there. And that we're assuming there's not a hatch going on, there's no dry flies, yeah. you know, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Tim, what is your favorite way to fish? Do you like streamers? Do you like dries? Do you like nymphs? Yes. Uh, yes. Good question. Yes. <laughs> All three. Is it bad? Is it... <laughs> yes. I, I, um, I love dry fly fishing. There's no doubt about it. If, 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 I had that one, if I had to just fish technical dry fly fishing for the rest of my life, like sign me up. I'm in for it. Like I love it. Um, I have gotten away from it recently because, as I said, I have a son. He's three years old, and I – like to be home to put him at bed every night. So in the summertime, I'm, I'm really fortunate. I fish about three or four days a week every summer, and that's like three, three full days a week. And 
I, I've told my wife, like, listen, she works every day. We have a nanny that, you know, stays on. We, you know, she, we, we have her through the school year, but my wife agreed like, Hey, we should probably keep her on for a few days a week during the summertime just uh, so she doesn't go anywhere. And which I'm like, yes, like I got a nanny to watch my son for three days a week. I can go fishing. Yeah. So it's, a great idea. Those, it's a great idea. It, honey. It, it, it's a wonderful <laughs> idea. So I'm like, yes, I'm all in for this. So those three days, like I'm gone, I'm leaving the house around six in the morning. I'm driving, you know, two and a half hours one way. I fish all day and I try to get, and I get back for around four or four thirty every day. So that hatch time in the evenings, that hasn't been there for me over the last few years. I still, you know, I still have those experiences here and there, but I haven't had that fishing. So whenever I have an opportunity for it, like I'll, I'll be going to Wyoming here in a couple months to fish with a buddy of where, mine. Where, and, where, whoa, where, whoa, where, whoa, where, where? Uh, we're going to be fishing the North Platte River. <laughs> yes. Where? Yes. I, I fished the North Platte two years ago. Where, like around Casper? I have no, wherever he tells me we're going. I have no okay. idea. I, I don't awesome. know. <laughs> if you, if you, if you, yeah, I, I fished the North Platte, um, uh, I guess, uh, upstream from Casper. Good times. Okay. Really, really, really beautiful. Yeah. Huge rainbows, okay. well, huge. Okay. What's the fishing like? Dry fly? I've heard it could be. Well, I was there. The I was there. Fly hatch, I heard. I was there in April, and I, I uh, and I just uh, I yeah, was there in April, so I missed. I probably missed the majority of the hatches. Um, okay. But I did. So it was a lot of nymph fishing for me. It was a lot of midges. Okay. A lot of midges, but it was insane the size of fish I was catching on midges. Wait, uh, wait. Uh, Tim, uh, Tim was asking whether to use stonefly. Uh, sorry, if there's a stonefly hatch. Well, what, what time of year did you go? Yeah, I was there pretty early season, like pre-runoff, and uh, okay. it was awesome. Like I, I encountered a snowstorm one day, but it didn't seem to. It was just great. It was crazy. It was great. It's beautiful. Wyoming's beautiful. Everybody should go to Wyoming. Um, although I'm pretty sure everybody in Wyoming is happy that everybody's going to Montana instead. <laughs> yes, I think <laughs> and, you're right. Uh, they, yeah, yeah. But there's some fantastic fly shops in Wyoming. Cool. Uh, oh, sorry, in Casper and uh, and 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 closer to the river itself, and uh, yeah, you're gonna have a blast. You're gonna have a blast. When are you going, Tim? Uh, cool. When are you going again? Um, so that was part of the fun. That's another fun story too. Yeah. So this um, this trip is set up that we were able to go over Easter. Yeah. So I'm gonna be leaving my family during Easter, and I'm a you know I'm Catholic, so that's probably not gonna go over very well with <laughs> my entire family. But my wife supports it. She supports okay, the right trip. On. So um, yeah, we'll be fishing Easter Sunday. So it's, it's cool. No be, problem. We'll, we'll, see, we'll see you there. Should we come? <laughs> Tim, is if this you an invite? Come. Tim, are you inviting us? Yes, come. Yes, yes come. We're going to have a blast down there. there. We're going to record some videos there. We're going to have a great time. I can't wait. Yeah, this is, uh, I, uh, I'll never remember the little town I was in, but there's like this hilarious yeah. diner with like these like four shacks behind it that you can rent. And uh, I was sleeping in my car the most, 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 of, the po- most of the time. <laughs> But this one night, it was just like it, it, this snowstorm rolled in, and I was like, "Oh, there's no way!" And uh, you can rent this little shack and eat sloppy joes at this diner. I wish I could remember what it was, but it was awesome. <laughs> the first mo- the first morning, I like kicked the door open, and it was like the snow's blowing in. I'm the only one in there. The place is covered with dollar bills, like you know, people sign dollar bills and staples. I love that. Yeah, I, I love that too. And the woman comes over. Um, who is you know serving? I'm the only one in there. I'm like my wa- in my waiters, and she's like, "Whoa, you're brave," and just drops the pot of coffee in front of me. And I was like, and I was uh, like, and she's like, "You just keep the pot." And I was like, "She's like, what do you want?" I'm like, "I don't know, three egg breakfast over easy or something." And then she's like, "Got a smoke?" <laughs> she's smoking, and she's like, "Do you want a cigarette?" And I was like, "It's seven in the morning." I'm like, I don't really smoke, <laughs> and, I, and I don't even smoke. And I'm like, "Yeah, okay, why not?" <laughs> and, then she, 
And then she goes one in Rome. And then she goes in into the kitchen <laughs> and like is cooking my eggs with like the frying pan in one hand and and the cigarette in the other. And I'm oh not saying gosh. this. I'm not That's just fun. saying this to complain. I'm saying this because that was probably Great the greatest experience yeah. ever. Yeah, yeah, I was like, if if only things were so loose up here. You should send no, us some... you can't forget. You can't forget something like that. No. Wait, no did I, you say you were in Casper? Is that where this? Because I think we're staying in Casper. I'm well, sure I, that's the I, area I, where when I when out. I got into Wyoming, I was in Casper, and then I drove upstream. And uh, if I can hear, uh, uh, like maybe as we're chatting, I'm, I'll I'll just check out Google Google Maps, and I'll have an epiphany. Yeah. But you guys I was, are staying in Casper. Is where you're going? I want to say we're staying in Casper. And I know we're going to have a guide on the first day. So we, we do have kind of a guided experience. Yep. Oh, and, yeah. and there's kind of a, there's a backstory to all this. But the gist is we'll have a guide for the first day. And then the next two days, we're kind of on our own. So we're, yeah. we're looking forward to it. That's for sure. Yeah, it was funny. I, I had no plans on really, like, I mean, I knew fishing, like, uh, you know, I was on this road trip. And I was like, I was, oh, I'm, I'm probably going to stop in Wyoming. But I, I, I had all intents and purposes of going to Jackson Hole. And I was fishing the Frying Pan River. And... I'd, I'd, I'd got a hotel room for the night and then this, ad, like, it was hilarious. Like an ad mm. came up for ca- like tourism Casper, Wyoming, and it had somebody fly fishing in it. And I was like, oh, that looks pretty cool. And then I started doing some research and I was like, I was like, oh, I'll just go there. <laughs> I don't know. It was like, it was like, I know, I know. I was like, oh, I just got advertised too, but in the best possible way. Cause I got to catch some of the biggest browns of my life, uh, rainbows of my life. Oh my God. Yeah. You're gonna have a good time. Oh my gosh! You're gonna have I can't time. wait. Now I'm so excited. I mean, my buddy he texts me every day. He's like, I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm like, I know, I know. Oh, I only have insane. a ticket. I have. I bought like a one way ticket on the way out because it was a pretty good price. And I thought, well, I'll just wait and I'll I'll buy my ticket to come back to Pittsburgh at some point. And I haven't bought that return ticket yet. So my <laughs> wife is like, Are you Smart. you are coming back, right? Like you're not staying out there. I'm like, we'll awesome. see. We'll That's see. Hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're gonna have a good time. Like, uh, you know, Wyoming. Like I said, it's. If nobody lives in Montana, nobody lives in Wyoming. <laughs> okay. So that's ah, pretty cool. cool. No, um, I can't wait. No, thanks. So there's one th- other thing I want to ask, and I know we were talking about rivers. Yeah. We were talking about when you come to a river, what's your strategy for picking a fly? What about lakes? Like, how often do you fish lakes? Is it a, is it a is it a frequent thing down there? Um, for me, it's been more frequent over the last few years because I do lo- I love lakes. Yeah. Our lakes here aren't um, the ones that I fish. Typically, aren't primarily for trout. So I'll, I'll just I'll preface it with that. Yeah. I mean, if you if you only go down the trout line, I will say that there's a lake that that I do fish pretty frequently. That that it does have trout. There's stock trout. And there's a second one that's really close to my house that has trout as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so for those ones, I mean, if I'm tr- you're asking for advice, mm-hmm. the, the first piece of advice is like both of those lakes. If you can figure out a way to determine the depth, that's huge. I mean, if you can kind of determine where the fish are in that in the water column that's awesome now i also cheat because i have one of those little float boats i think i i won't say the brand i'm sure it doesn't matter but i have a little boat that i get out in i have the flippers and if if you know if you have an opportunity to purchase one of those boats Mm -hmm. buy one because in the summertime i just leave it in the back of my truck and as i'm driving you know to go trout fishing if there's like a really cool looking farm pond i I might just pull over and just say hey do you guys mind if i fish here for an hour i'm not going to kill them i just want to catch a couple fish that's all take a picture and be out there and i've never been told no so people are just very very friendly say yeah come in catch a bass and i mean if there's a bunch of posted signs like we're going to shoot you i probably won't ask but (laughs) for the most part it's gone really well so i love to do that and it's cool to explore but what i'll what i tend to do is i look for places if you can determine the depth number one if you can figure out if there's like a, a shallow 
lead into the lake versus a, a severe drop off. Mm-hmm. And I try to find those, those ledges. Um, a lot of people tend to look at the, the surface of a lake and they just kind of think, you know, there's really not much to see on the surface. But if you kind of take a step back and try to look at the surrounding land, you can kind of see the contour of the land and how it enters the lake yeah. and kind of imagine if it continues like that, what's the lake going to look like? In some right. cases, it may just be just a, a you know, pretty, um, a pretty even drop off the whole way in. But that's kind of the first thing I look for. And then if there's, a, you know, water sources coming into it. So one of the lakes that I fish has a spring that, it, you know, comes in. Like, I definitely want to fish in that area, especially as the lake starts to warm up because it's colder water entering. And then if you could find, the, you know, the area where that, that water exits as well, yeah. there could be some larger fish kind of, you know, waiting to capture bait fish as they get swept in that direction. Yeah. So those are kind of those are kind of my starting points whenever I'm at least thinking about where I'm going to be fishing. It makes sense, yeah. Totally makes sense. But lakes are, can be, you know, I think lakes can be intimidating for people, you know. Like, yeah. They kind of come to a giant body of water like, I have no idea. What do I start trolling yes. or something? You know, there, like, yeah, there's yeah. In that obvious yeah. structure that sometimes a river can, yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. Oh, that's cool. That's great. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, Tim, it's Alcova, Wyoming. It's uh, it's close. Huh. It's close to it's close to Casper. Uh, there were there were uh, campsites in near. There's a the the reservoir in Alcova. Okay. They've dammed. They dammed the river there, uh, and it became you know like after the dam, it's like you know as any time you find a dammed river, uh, a lot of midge fishing, you know. But then I fished above the dam in um, Fremont Canyon. And Fremont Canyon is where I had, uh, you know, first of all, it's spectacular scenery, and also that's where the biggest rainbows, well, yeah. anyway, I found. Um, but I fished in and around Alcova, and, yeah, if you get a chance to eat some eggs <laughs> and bacon <laughs> at, at the Sunset Grill, uh, I highly recommend the Sunset Grill. You can you can, you can, you can rent a shack uh, for very reasonable, very reasonable price. And I love uh, that. then there's nice. the re- the reef fly shop is there too. The reef fly shop, those guys are super nice to me. Um, they also do guiding. Uh, but yeah, Wyoming, you're gonna have a blast. Aldo, I can promise you, if I don't eat at the Sunset Grill, yeah. I'll take a selfie in front of it and, oh. and I'll add it to my Instagram story awesome. at the very least. Okay. Oh my That's, god! So at the very the least, pa- I'll do that. Pa- <laughs> uh, you know, you know, they're committed to hospitality. The power was out, and they were still making sloppy joes. <laughs> And, and and handing me smokes. I love that. <laughs> so so it's all good. I'm just gonna go there and ask for a sloppy Joe. That's I just <laughs> I need a sloppy Joe for the river today. That's what I want. Tim, I'm, Tim, so, I'm excited about that selfie, man. <laughs> sloppy, I, I can't wait. Sloppy, I hope I find it. I, I hope she still has a cigarette. I hope so too. <laughs> sloppy sloppy Joes and, and a camel light. Um, <laughs> uh, those ashes. That's what makes the flavor. That, that is adds, the ashes. You know, that sloppy adds. Joe makes. Yeah, it adds. It adds. Oh you can't God. lose. You know those little. The, it, you know, it, it, that's what adds character. Those are the the whole experience makes the food taste that's better. True. <laughs> well, yeah, I will literally never forget that restaurant. Um, but I think no. Mitch is is yeah. he's he's sweating. I think it's time. He's itchy. I he, am. I think it might be Uh-oh. time for Mitchie's fishies fun. I think it's time for Mitchie's oh fishies. Oh my god! Yeah, my favorite I, part. I'm really excited about this, Tim. Honestly, and one of the questions in particular. But we're gonna we're gonna kick it off with um, a, a great. Uh, one, I love this question. Okay, are you ready for this? <laughs> Probably because he wrote the same. I wrote it. I wrote it. I love it. And I'm ready to ask Tim. All right, you ready? I'm definitely ready. I Mitchie's can't wait. Fishies. Here we go. So okay. Here's the worst part. No, yeah. hold on. I pause yeah. you. So I, I have to interrupt you. Of course. So, you you know I listen to the podcast. I mean, I hope people yeah. who are out there know. 
I listen to the podcast. <laughs> and as my, my I, you know, I make my wife listen to podcasts as well. We, I just <laughs> Thank you for that. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. No, I love it. I love the Mitchie's Fishies. And I, I said to Heather, I'm like, every time that the Mitchie's Fish is on, I'm like, I pause after it. I'm like, I'm going to practice what I would say if I was ever on the podcast. <laughs> and the worst part is right now I'm thinking to myself, I don't remember the question. What did like, I say? I yeah. have these. I've done, I've done the fishy like six That's times. Awesome. I don't even know what the questions are anymore. So I'm, I'm a little upset with myself. I well, think ne- I know one of them. I love I, that. I, I ne- I'll tell you if you hit the one. Tim, I love you. You're ne- the best. Ne- neither do we. That's why yeah. we wrote them down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's hilarious. Okay. Um, okay. Well, I'm, like I said, I'm very like I, I'm one. Of, this is one of the most exciting Mitchie's fishies for me. Uh, the first one I want to ask you is, you know, we'll strip it back. Okay. What is your favorite fish and why? Mm, okay, this is the one I remembered. Um, <laughs> this was the one, and there's no question. I love brown trout. I'm going to take the easy way out, like a lot of your listeners or a lot of your your um, yeah, yeah, your yeah. other um, yes, the other people yeah. that you interviewed. Yeah. I guess though, I'm going to put a little caveat in. I love brown trout. I think they're awesome, but I love wild brown trout. I mean, I, that's yeah. that's what I love. But I think now I'll take it the next step. I like that they're very aggressive. I love that they'll eat a dry fly, so I love that about them. But I also love that like, I can fish like in the same watershed in Pennsylvania, and I'll catch brown trout from, from you know, different streams, and they all look different. And I love that. And I, I don't know how often you follow other you know, like, social media posts from other countries, but there's some brown trout that they catch in Italy that are just like, they are gorgeous. Yeah. And I cannot wait. I, I have to go over there just to catch one of these fish, just to look at it because it looks awesome. I think that's what I love about brown trout is that they just all look so unique and I, I, there's just something spectacular about them. Yeah. I mean, uh, very early in my, I guess my, I would say my fishing life. I, I, when was this? I think it was, I was 19. I got to fish. My grandfather grew up fishing the Italian Alps. We're Italian of the Italian descent. Oh, uh. And we were there for a wedding when I was 19, and I brought the fly rod, which, which I was a two-piece fly rod, which <laughs> I fly I fly with my fly rods now. It's super simple. You have your four-piece rod, you carry them on, but it wasn't that simple yeah. when it had a two-piece. Nope. Anyway, whatever. Long story short, yeah, I got a, I got the chance to fish some of his home streams, and uh, yeah, I, ca- I caught a brown there, and you're right. They look radically different than the than the trout that are here. Oh, man. So was it gorgeous? Yeah, I mean, you got to go. It was It was beautiful. It was beautiful. Would you? No, we're, I'm so curious. we're we're from. I got, we're from, I got pick, No. Yeah. Would you catch these fish on? What what kind of fishing was okay. this over there? Well, I, that was, I'm, I'm uh, dying to know. No, that's a really great question because um you know we we're from the uh, well my mother's side of the family is from uh, like the north of obviously the north of Italy, and yeah. um and you know we were from Torino and I went to or Turin and we went to a fly shop there, and uh, I bought all these I had brought all my trout flies or whatever and they and. I noticed that their trout flies were you're huge. They weren't different patterns or anything. Like there's still like coachmen's and wolves and 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 you know you know stuff we'd find here. But they're huge. Yeah. They're a size like twelves. They're a size fourteens. And I was sure. like and and I was like well I bought a couple. I was like okay I guess. Yeah. And then and then I showed up at the river and you know again I don't have the type of knowledge I had then that I do now. But regardless, I like. I looked at the river. It's like a, it's glacial. It's like you know, you know, beautiful sky blue, and you can spot the fish. I'm seeing the fish. They're rising or whatever, and you know, I'm presenting these. You know, I'm like, there's no way these size 14 coachmans are gonna work. So I've got my 18s and my 20s out. And nothing, 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 nothing. And then sure enough, I tie. I was like, well, I should probably listen 
to the fly shop, <laughs> you know? No, and, uh, really? The yeah, big ones uh, work. Crazy. Uh, yeah, and that's, I mean, that's crazy. I, I know, I've, I've, I, you know, I follow, I follow a few or I've researched a few, you know, Italian tires and, and some beautiful, like, competition, sure. you know, uh, uh, competition eggs to tie some beautiful flies. And now, obviously, everything's radically different, but in 2008, yeah, I was catching these, I caught a, a brookie and two browns, and we ate them all. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> everybody. Sorry, everybody. But my, my grandfather. The there was no way my grandmother. My grandmother. <laughs> I think I put the first one back, and she almost shot me. <laughs> oh, I bet. So there was like there was no there was no way I wasn't keeping keeping the rest of the fish. Yeah. But you're right, they're beautiful, and the streams up there are beautiful. We're we're from um, uh, a region called San uh, San Giovese. Yeah, San Giorgio. San Giovese is a great. <laughs> I know, but uh, yeah, but, one of my favorite uh, wines. But yeah, we uh, you know if you get the chance, these, you know, and, and that's why these anglers are so great because they 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 fish glacial water. It's extraordinarily clear. It's extraordinarily mm-hmm. thin, and the fish are extraordinarily spooky. And so yeah. you know you can see why their patterns have developed and their techniques have developed out of pure necessity. Like. <laughs> You know, you want to that's, catch these. That's fish. the only way you're going to catch them. Yeah, and and I think it's cool that you said your family's from Torino because I'm Italian as well. My last name's Italian, and that's where my family's from. They're from northern Italy, somewhere. It's not the town of Torino, but it's one of those little, those tiny little towns that that's outside of it. So I've been dying. My wife and I have gone. We've each gone to Italy once on our own, and we honeymoon there once. But it was just more of like the fun Italy we haven't gone up to northern that's like our next trip we're dying to go up there and I'd like to you know find my hometown for my family so I'm that's yeah, dude, really that, cool man there's a lot of there's a lot of really great trout fishing up there like wow. a lot yeah, yeah. Really yeah. thanks for telling me that and yeah yeah and you're you know like my my grandmother's from Valle d'Aosta which borders Switzerland so you're like you know you're smack dab in the middle of the Alps surrounded bring by your trout, snowboard surrounded by trout fishing mm-hmm. you know Really oh my cool. God. And I, my great grandma was the exact same. Whenever she knew that I was going trout fishing, and I would come back with nothing, she thought I was just like the biggest loser because I didn't catch fish. I was like, "No, Grandma, we put them back." And she was like, "Why are you putting these fish back? Like, we <laughs> eat fish. That's what we do." And she was so mad that like, she would get visibly upset. So I would just lie to her and say, "I didn't catch any today. I just it was a bad day of fishing." Yeah, yeah. The, uh, my family gets like that too when I go to when I when I actually frequented Trinidad a couple of months ago, and they're like, "Where where did the fish go?" I mean, well, I put them back, but actually, the, I just didn't catch any. But yeah, other than that, yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, no. this is actually a good segue into Mich- Mitchie's fishies too, which uh, I'm okay. just gonna I'm just gonna ask. It's just because we're on the subject. We're on the subject. So, so we're talking about travel. We're talking about where you where you can fish. Mitchie's fishies too is if you could fish anywhere in the world right now, mm. assuming that you know it's the best time to go. Uh, where would you fish? Ooh, oh gosh, um, man, I have two spots. So let me think which one I would go. Um, I would probably say I'd do Argentina. I, I've not done Argentina, and I've just heard there's just these big, silly, stupid brown trout, and I'd just love to get down there. Yeah, like Patagonia. Yes, exactly. Yeah, something like that. That that's probably where I would I'd want to end up. Jesus, and the second. The second spot would probably be something saltwater because I've never had that true, like, you know, bonefish tarpon permit mm-hmm. experience. I've never had a shot at those fish before. I've never put myself in that situation. So that would be my number two. If I could go anywhere, it's like prime saltwater. You know, you're on the flats. You're stalking these fish. Mm-hmm. And I got a shot for a permit. Like, that would easily be my number two because I've just never done that. And it just looks like I'm afraid I would start fishing saltwater 
and, and fly fishing in the salt, and I would just be completely addicted and want to just have like a second house there. Uh, just following from that, do you do a lot of, I mean, uh, and maybe not saltwater, but do you do find yourself traveling a lot aside from like outside of, this, of, of the U.S. or maybe not so much? Right now, no. You're, about five to ten years ago, yes, I was a little bit more you know, willing or a little bit more able to travel at the time. But, you know, obviously, when you're not married, it's a little. You have a little less, you know, constraint. Um, so right now, not so much. I tend to travel more within the country, you know, fishing for stripers or fishing for pike and that type of stuff. Not just trout. I think I'm known for more trout, but no, I haven't been able to travel abroad as much and go fly fishing. So I'm hoping to do that more in the next five years. Rad. I think we're gonna. Yelma, do you wanna do you wanna field Mitchie's? Mitchie's oh, fishing you're, giving, you're giving me a little bit of a okay. Well, before I uh, ask the question, you know, you know, Tim, my family lives in Tobago, and you know, we have to bring you over, okay? <laughs> okay. If you haven't fished the salt, come with us. I mean, I'm a beginner. I'm you're haven't fished the salt. We've got Aldo. We've got Mitch. Come with us, and we'll show you a good time. Stay will be free. I mean, I got to talk to my <laughs> aunt first. <laughs> Don't do that. So my, yeah, my aunt, my this is all hypothetical, is all but hypothetical. come with us. Okay. <laughs> I'll sleep in my car if I have to. I mean, yeah. No, no, absolutely not. I mean, Love my, it. I mean, yeah, uh, it's my auntie June. I mean, she's a, she's a great lady. I mean, she loves my sister more. I don't know if she like me, but I mean, I can convince oh, her no. that we can all come down. Anyways, okay. So the yeah. third number three. This is number three, oh and God, you guys amazing. are giving me a little bit of airtime, which See, is lovely. That's the thing, Tim. I'm trying to spread the love a little bit, you know. And uh, that's smart. Yeah, that's smart. I'm you're, trying to, you know, a good quarterback. Yeah, spread the Mitchie's fishies around. I mean, you know. But this one's a good one, and feel but free I'm to curious, take. Is it going to come back to you for number five though? So you're going to give coming, them three and four, you, and then you get to close the deal. Is I'm that co- how it works? I'm doing four and five, baby. Yeah, so. I'm, just, I'm just doing three, and I'm very so. excited for number five. I'll tell you that right now. So, but okay, feel, with cool. this one, feel free. Wait. Feel free to dig uh, dig on this one. You know, yeah, it's a, this ahead. one's a this one's a, a little bit tougher to maybe answer off the top of your head. But Yelma, please. Mm-hmm. So Tim, we all have special memories. What is yours? What is your special? fly fishing memory your best fishing memory best sorry see this is why i gotta do it okay (laughs) (laughs) your best fishing memory (laughs) the special memory um that's a that is a good one i don't i won't dig too far i mean i can tell you i I have some really fantastic memories of fishing with my father when i was younger and he's still alive and fishing with my great uncle john who doesn't fish as much anymore and and i I fished with some really special people over the years and so i've been very fortunate to to fish with them I will probably say it's a little bit more recent, and I'll, I'll put this in the, the, the caveat that at the time it was not the best. Now I'm looking back, and it's, just, it, it's wonderful. But I think I told you that I, I fish now with my wife and my son quite a bit, yep. and we try, to, you know, we try to fish together like every weekend. And it's, it's cool that my wife is like interested, and my son's willing yeah. to kind of hang out with us. So we're, we've been in a really good place for the last couple summers. And um, so my wife's just like she's learning how to fly fish, and she had gone brook trout fishing before, but, you know, now she, she was like, I want to, you know, have a fly line or at least use a, you know, a nymph line or something along those lines and just learn a little bit more. So we are in this, this really great spot. There's, there's for sure one or two big fish in this spot. And I have everything just, it's set up. So it's just going to be a successful like experience here. I know she's going to get a big fish or have a shot at a big fish. Yeah. My son, his name's Angelo. He's on my back. He's just hanging out just to kind of get him calmed down. And just so he would also just, be in the moment i gave him a lollipop so he's eating his lollipop like <laughs> everything's just like i have everything just set perfect and yeah. i'm like this is going to be great i like i have the net ready we haven't she hasn't even made a cast yet but like everything is ready to go and she makes a cast my wife heather she makes one or two casts something happens angela's yelling so i turn and 
I hear my wife like say, ah, or something happened with her. And I look back and there's like the rod pointed straight up in the air. And like, I think we had two flies on and she's just hooked into the tree. And I'm like, shoot, like this, like you got to catch this fish. Like now, like, I'm like, I'm a terrible, you never take your wife out. I'm like, get this out. Like, this is ridiculous. I just tied those flies last night. Like I'm getting ticked just seeing it up there. And at that moment, my son decides that the perfect spot to put his lollipop to kind of hold it in there so he could throw a rock in the water is to put his lollipop up through that little, the little back end, the back strap of your hat. Cause it looks like it would just fit perfect there. Yeah. So he just decides to put his little lollipop up. I can feel the stickiness on the back of my head and my hair. And this like lollipop is now like it's stuck in my head. <laughs> I look down and I see my wife just like pointing her rod at the trees. I'm just, all my flies are just disappearing. Yeah. The line's coming back through her rod. It's just all in a pile in the water. Yeah. My son's like yelling cause he can't get the lollipop out of my hair. Yeah. And I just, I, I was like ready to just go crazy. Oh, I was man. like, I take my hat, I throw my hat in the water. I'm like, what the heck is going on here? I was yeah. so like, just so ticked. And now I look back and it was like, it was such a, it was an awesome experience. She ended up getting a really nice fish out of there. I don't think she landed that one, but she got a fish. Like my son survived the day and it's like, ah, and, and I kind of like looked at that as like, that was like, it was such a bad moment at the time. And now I look back and I'm like, man, I'd love to be there. Like right now, it just happened yeah. like a year ago, but I'd love to be there. Like, like now. And I know that I kind of look at that as like, oh, that was like my hit bottom moment with as everything was going on. And, and we've just had all these great experiences. Since well, then. And you'll probably feel that way for the rest of your life too. Right. Yes, I'm sure. Absolutely. It's such an amazing story. I love I love the way you explained it, too, how, how it went from sort of this most idyllic, perfect moment where you got your kid strapped oh, yeah. to your back and he's like just like eating his lollipop and your wife is going. And it was just, it went just total chaos. But that's what makes it such amazing. Yes. Uh, such oh, an amazing yes. moment. I love that. Um, okay, Mitchie's Fishies uh, number four. Why do you fly fish? Perhaps, oh, perhaps, perhaps the most existential, philosophical, yeah, ethereal. No, nah, ethereal's wrong. Philosophical, philosophical and existential are yeah. quite nice terms yeah. to put to. I think it's like, it's like really, uh, yeah, like why, why do like specifically you fly fish at all? Like, what's the? Yeah, man. Um, can I talk my way through this, and yeah, maybe by yeah. talking something will come out? I, I love it. My the short is I don't know. I don't want to say I I go out there to catch fish, but. And I'm not sure how many other people will say this. Like, mm. I know some people go out there and they're like, oh, I love the experience. I was outside and I got to see nature. And it's like, I, I don't agree. I'm, I agree with that. Like, that side's all cool. Yeah. But, like, I like to catch fish. It could be I want the easy fish or the big fish or the smart fish. Like, every day it, it, it changes for me, like, which fish I'm going after. And that's – I kind of intentionally think about that. But in terms of, like, why I go, man, I just love to get out there. There's just something about – it doesn't matter if you're going in the early morning or you're going for, you know, quick, you know, to go out. There's a spot where I fish for stripers 10 minutes from my house. And I might run out there just for a quick hour and a half at seven o'clock in the evening, just to get out there, just to catch that one fish. But there's just something about fly fishing that it just makes me want to be there. And it makes me want to, I don't want to say, I just want to catch that fish, but there's always like that next fish. And, yeah. and I, and I don't even want to say it like that because it almost makes it seem like yeah. I just caught this fish and I'm releasing it. I'm already thinking about the next. It's not that. It's just if I'm not if I'm not out there fly fishing, like I'm thinking about like, man, I can't wait till I get out there. And I can't wait for like, I can't wait to set that hook and then have that fish and, and land that fish and be like, cool. I, like I succeeded in that. And I think that's probably why I do it. This, this will be my answer. Now that I finally, I think I've made myself kind of talk myself into this. Yeah. When I first started fly fishing, and this is probably the, probably the same as tying, 
like you, I didn't have that success. I, I can remember days when I would go and I would catch like one fish. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, I remember last year I got blanked once, like I think maybe once, maybe two days. And it was like, man, like I don't, you don't get blanked as much anymore. And it's like crazy. And when that happens, it's like, wow, like what happened there? Like you want to just point the finger. And I, I think that's probably why I keep going. It's like, as you get better and better, like you're just, I, I try to push to whatever that next level is. And I think it's that, that constant challenge of, man, before I caught like two fish and it's like, well, the next time I want, I want to do better. I want to learn from that experience. Even if I only catch one fish, like if I, if I have a new challenge and I learn from that challenge, like that's going to put me on this next step. And I think that's probably what, what keeps me going. It's like, there's always another step to climb and you, you climb that step and you're like, cool, I'm closer to the top. And you realize you don't even know where the top is. And, yeah, and yeah. I, that's probably why I fly fish, if, if that makes any sense. Oh, it's what makes it total, total sense. I mean, it's an interesting way to look at it. Like it's the next sort of challenge. It's the next catch. It's the next, uh, I mean, I mean, that's a, such a, um, I mean, that makes so much sense with angling, you know? I mean, like that's what keeps us out there till the sun's gone down, right? What if this cast is the big fish, right? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it's, a great, it's a great way of looking at it. This next question yeah. of Mitchie's Fishies 5, I've never been more excited in my life to ask somebody. It's really... <laughs> it really hits the, the nail on the head. Yeah. So should I ask it? No. Come on, baby. Okay, this I'm really excited to ask. Okay. What All fly right, pattern... Ready. Here we go. You ready? You ready? I'm ready. What fly pattern represents you best and why? Oh, that's a great one. I love this question. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, I, I do like this one. I, I see, this is number five, isn't it? That's why you saved this, this one. This is it. Yeah. Number five. Um. Wow. Let me think about this. For sure. Take take uh, 20 minutes if you want. No, know. I don't need 20 minutes. <laughs> I, I, I can tell you it's not going to be the mop fly or the squirmy wormy. There's no question about that. Mm-hmm. I would say, and this is maybe my hope to get back into dry fly fishing, but mm-hmm. If I kind of think about myself and the style of fishing that I love and, and kind of everything that I just, to me, this is what I love about the sport. I would probably say something like a sulfur emerger because it's dry flies. It's very technical. And I'm not just saying like, this is when all the fish are eating. It's like, whenever you have, mm-hmm. you're, you're honed in on a fish, you see this one, you like, you know, it's a big fish, you know, it's very technical. It's, an, it's in a really tough spot and you know, the sulfur hatches on it and you know, they're eating that. And there's something about that sulfur emerger that, I guess I'm just drawn to that hatch. And whenever I think about like the fly that represents me, it's, I'm not even sure what I would say about myself necessarily, but it's just got all these different components that when you put them all together, like it just works. And if you take each piece separate, it may not seem like that's the the ideal thing going on. But once you, once you have it constructed and, and you put it in that situation, that's like everything turns on. It's just, that's the gold standard right there. So for me, yeah, probably a sulfur emerger. That's the one I would go with. Nice. I love that. Love that answer. Yeah. Love it. Well, yeah. thanks. We haven't heard it here, you're, before, so yeah, love it. Yeah, you're right. You're yeah. right. We haven't heard that before. No. Good. Good. Don't let anyone take that one. That's mine. <laughs> That's yours. That's yours. And do you think it? Do you think there's anything about that fly that uh, connects to you, like, personally? Man, um, I don't know. I can – maybe. I mean, when I think about, like, the hatch itself, I've had so many good experiences with friends – during that hatch because it's just it's a very popular hatch whenever i was growing up like the sulfurs on oil creek that was like that was our big hatch like that's where you had to be and it was about an hour and a half from where i grew up and i would drive up there after school and high school and i would like just fly i mean i would break every speeding you know 
speed limit everywhere just to get there so I could get on the water and be, you know, be in that perfect spot for yeah. that hatch. Yeah. And I just, like that was that was the time that was like the place to be for for that so i think i probably have all those good memories about that yeah. and that was the fly like i wanted to fish the emerger not because they wouldn't eat anything else it was just like that was the fly that i thought would be the that would be the most productive fly mm-hmm. so whenever i think about it now um i guess the fly that i fished then that sulfur emerger has changed over the years to the yeah. point where there's one that i'm tying now that I, i'd like to release on youtube but there's talk of a fly tying company that wants to pick up the fly and they They'd like to produce it for me, and which is like that's awesome. Like, it's crazy to know that it's awesome. Yeah, it's really cool. But then, like, and that's like the newest creation that I have for, the, and it's a software merger fly. So I think there's maybe that creativity in that pattern kind of relates back to me as well. Absolutely, and you know what? Like, I know it's such a strange question to ask. Like, does that fly actually embody any of your personal qualities? But I love to hear answers like that, where it's like. You know what? Yeah, it does, and for this reason, and and to and to hear the stories of why, and 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 if, you know, like the, yeah. this is what I fished then, and this is and the history to it in, in per, people's personal fly fishing life. I think that's a super super interesting. Yeah. Well, cool I don't, thing. I probably didn't answer your question. I mean, you were going for qualities. I don't know if I. I oh could no. Say it, oh, you well, it's a traditional hatch, and I think there's that back that my backstory is it's that tradition that I kind of grew yeah. up in. But yeah. this this pattern that I'm tying is it's using some materials that aren't commonplace. They're probably materials that I wouldn't right, have used exactly. back then to even imitate it. So it's got some new stuff in it as well. So I'm not sure if nope. you can kind of look at it from, I'm trying to push the limits now. That is what is the, that is so cool. That is, a, I think that's a perfect answer. And I'm really, really happy with that answer. Well, Absolutely. thanks, Mitch. Yeah. Tim, it's been such an honor having you on the show, man. Yeah, Tim, I mean, that was thanks. awesome. Like, uh, that, was a, that was a lot. It was, it, was like, it was great. You were great. It was so much fun, yeah, and I and can't I, thank you enough. And I love, yeah, I learned a lot. I love, I love those pointers of, you know, these are the two, these are the, th- the few things that you need to make sure when your first time flies to make sure that you're doing. I love that. It's going to help me out a lot this year. It's, it's well, certainly good. Well, it's you certainly better reach well. out to me if you have any questions. <laughs> oh, with, definitely. Well, you better. Please, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> definitely. Well, thanks, guys. I won't lie. It's definitely been a lot of fun. I would rather have been in the studio with you guys. I'm a little jealous. Well, I mean, I think that just means... Studio right now. <laughs> yeah, no, of course, Tim. Well... When you're down here, man, we got to have you in. <laughs> we got to have you come into the studio, and we'll we'll do a whole other episode. I mean, like, we could talk for days. Mm-hmm. We really could. Isn't that the beauty of fly fishing? Yeah, we <laughs> we definitely could. No, that's for sure. And I, listen, I really appreciate you having me on here. It's definitely been a lot of fun. It's been great connecting with you guys a little bit more so than just listening to you whenever I'm driving back and forth to places. <laughs> well, we, we, we definitely appreciate that you do listen to yeah, us. Definitely. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, like, friends with James, like, come on up. We'll, fi- we'll, we'll fish the credit or the grand together or, or whatever. Are you coming down for um, the gathering? Jeez, um, no, because the gathering, I want to say, is in May, and I'm yeah. – I'm a teacher, and I can't. I right, can only right, get right. so many days off, and I have a fly tying event yep. at the end of April that I'm going to be participating in. That kind of burns one of my last personal days that I can use for school. Yep. So it's tricky to get up there for that for that gathering. And I'm not building bamboo fly rods as much as I was when I was a little bit younger. I still fish them a little, you know, occasionally, mm-hmm. but that crowd is such an awesome crowd. So yeah. for any of your listeners that aren't even into bamboo, like go there. It's yeah. so cool. Like they'll want to build a rod after that experience. It's just incredible. Oh yeah, no, we're we're excited to go check it out too. Will you guys be up there? Yep. Yeah, we're gonna go. We're gonna we're gonna get some tickets and, and go check it out and hang out with them and, and see what uh, see what's going on. Shoot some footage. Oh my gosh! Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it's gonna be oh, cool. you're gonna you're gonna have a blast there if you can get some of those guys on to interview them. That would yeah. be just phenomenal because there's some really just some incredible rod builders that, that will be there. That's uh, a good idea. I can't even I can't even imagine yeah. the type of personalities that you that you meet at those things. Yeah, it also sounds yeah. secretive. The yeah. gathering. I love it. I love it. Oh, it's crazy. No, it's crazy. And once you start to realize the crowd, then you're like, cool. And whenever I see that, it's it's cool because whenever you go to the fly fishing shows or like I'll be at, I'll be headlining this Midwest Expo in Michigan here in about a month or so. And you kind of see the fly fishing crowd there. And then all of a sudden you'll see this one person walking. You just know right away, like, up, oh, that guy's into bamboo. Like, you just know yeah. the crowd. I don't know what it is about that group, but it's such a you, – it, you can just really identify that group out of a, a giant crowd. He's like a Jedi walking through the <laughs> – Yeah, weird. It's really weird. Yeah. And they find each other. They'll find each other at these big shows. And you'll see this, this group of people talking. You're like, oh, there's the bamboo group. I better go say <laughs> hi to those guys. Amazing. Tim, yeah. thank thank you so much again for coming on the show, man. It's been it's been fantastic, and uh, we, we 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 just appreciate it so much. Mm-hmm. All right, you got it, Mitch. Thanks for everything. Absolutely. Okay. Well, that's it for me, Mitch uh, Yelma. Yes, Tim and folks, uh, signing off. And Aldo. Uh, Tim, one quick note: where can we where can people find your stuff? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It, where 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 they can find your videos? Where they where can they find pictures of you? How they how can they contact you? Do you want people contacting you? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm on YouTube, so that's kind of like a, if, yeah. if I wouldn't allow that, that would not be good. Um, YouTube is easily a good place, but probably I direct most people to, to my website. It's troutandfeather.com. From there, there's a little contact button, so they can, you can send an, you know, a message that comes directly to my email. My email is listed in the description of every single video I've put out since day one. And I'm on Instagram and Facebook under Trout and Feather, so they can – if they if they type in trout and feather, they're going to find me at some point. But thanks, Aldo. I appreciate that. Right on. Well, that I mean, trout and feather, check Instagram. It check it out. Troutandfeather.com. Uh, there's some. Uh, it's an awesome resource. Uh, yep. Um, for us, you can find all of our stuff at uh, at the SoFly Crew um, on Instagram and whatnot. You can find us at SoFly.ca. Um, you know, if you find us on iTunes and Spotify, you know, it always helps if you uh, give us a little rate. And uh, and whatnot, uh, shameless plug here. Um, this is me, Aldo, Tim. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. That was that was an awesome show. All right, thank you so much, Tim, and uh, and uh, take care. All right, thanks everybody.